Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Millsurp World podcast. I think this is episode number 34. Been doing this for, for quite a while. Um, here with us today, we have Aaron and Jared. Say hello, fellas. Hello. So in today's episode, we are going to talk a bit about uh, kind of the pros and cons, or maybe even sort of like a versus, uh, gun stores versus gun shows as far as uh, getting Millsurps. So I figured we can uh, kind of talk about some of the pros and cons of each of those and maybe what what we prefer, what we think is better, and what we've had better luck with. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Jared, are you here? Yes. Oh, he's making sure. He didn't yep. disappear no, it's okay. on us. Yeah, so um, there's it, it's probably pretty subjective on what's better. And one thing I've learned from making all the gun show videos that I have is that... Um, People seem to hate gun shows nowadays. Like there seems to be like quite a disdain for gun shows, and, uh, and not not completely undeservedly. Um, I think it's you know because of like that's the thing. It's 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 easy just to say like oh gun shows suck, like just a blanket statement like that instead of saying like gun shows done by these companies suck. Um, because that's the thing. There's lots of different vendors, uh, lots of different companies. That put on shows, um, you know, some some gun show companies, like, they don't care. They'll sell tables to whoever. That's all they care about is selling tables, right? Charging admission. Because um, that's how they make their money from it, right? So, And then there's other guys that tend to be a little bit less, less maybe, you know, profit-driven, more, you know, geared toward just, um, you know, just like the hobby, maybe just for collectors, just depending on the type of show. So it's hard to say just by, like, a blanket statement. Um, Sometimes, you know, shows can be hit or miss, but, you know, same thing with gun stores. Gun stores can be very hit or miss. So um, we have a little list of pros and cons of uh, of gun shows and gun stores so that I figured that we could kind of run down and kind of discuss some of the some of the points that we've come up with. Do you want to do the point discussion format or do you want to go through all of them and then go from there? Like point A discussion, point B discussion? Yeah, yeah. We can just kind of, well, we'll just go through the list. And just okay. talk about each each one of the each one of the pros, I guess. Okay. Um. Okay. So the pro, the main, the, the what I think is the main pro of gun shows is that you have many vendors at one place. I think that's the that's the number one um, big pull in for for a gun show, especially for for a good show, right? So we're just gonna kind of talk in talk in generalities here, but it's. You know, typically, if you have a good show with a good reputation and like a good setting, you know, it's common for many gun stores in an area to set up a table at a gun show. You know, to be to be represented at a at a gun show. Um, so I think sometimes you can kind of you know they'll they'll pull quite a few vendors. Um, of course, there's just guys that only do gun shows, so you get so you get those as well. But I think that's one pro of uh, of the gun show, which does kind of maybe tie into a, a con of the gun store, but... Hmm, yeah. I can see that. Like, it's like a, it's getting everybody together in a single location, you know? It's kind of like the strip mall of gun, uh, gun stores. Yeah. Which I've been, I've been to a gun show at a strip mall before. It was in a, uh, like, a shutdown uh, goodies. Have y'all ever heard of, like, the goodies yes. um, store? Not, I, don't, I don't know if that's up here. I'm not that much younger than you, Danny. I mean, I don't know if that was just a regional thing. That was something in uh, in Tallahassee. There was a there was a gun show at a yeah, at a closed down goodies, 
And the crazy thing was is that they were, they left all the shopping carts. So like no shit, people were pushing around shopping carts on this gun show with like ammo and stuff, just throwing everything in it. That that's um, actually a good idea. Oh yeah, it it was pretty great. Like, cause um, especially as like a vendor, so I, I set up there and you know like bringing stuff in and out, uh, you know, before and after the show. Like you just grab a grab a shopping cart or or a buggy as we call it in the south, and you grab a buggy and you you know you load it up and. But that's like I think that's <laughs> that's the only gun show that I've ever seen. You know, a bunch of people pushing on shopping carts. There was one here. It was PA Collectors, I think. I don't. They had them. Um, there was one that was in a shutdown Best Buy, and then they moved to a different location, and it was in a shutdown Kmart. Man, yeah, those shows. You get a weird vibe from those shows, you know, because when it's in, when they're in, like the sterile, like, um, what do you call it? Like a like a an expo center or whatever. It's just kind of like, hey, you know, this is. It's just sort of like it's meant for putting on these these types of you know exhibitions, but yeah, when you have one in like a you know a defunct business, it kind of it gives the show like a weird weird vibe. I've seen them in fire halls too. Really? Yep. There's a, I've seen a couple around here that have been. They're usually smaller, but they they'll pull all the fire trucks out and then they'll they'll set up tables in the fire hall. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, I'm trying to think of some weird places. Oh, just just recently here. In Kansas City, there's uh, there's in the, in the Midwest, um, there's this chain of uh, of gun show companies. It's um, RK RK shows. And apparently, what I heard is that um, one of the guys I don't know if it was a partnership or whatever, but one of the guys broke off from RK and was basically like, "Hey, I, you know, screw you guys. I want to have my own gun shows with, with blackjack and hookers." And uh, and so he started doing his own gun shows, but they're at this weird. Um, it's like this weird indoor gymnasium type deal where there's like artificial grass and there's like nets for like various sports. Um, and it like the gun show stretched all the way back and it was on this, you know, AstroTurf inside and it like went all the way back to these like batting cages and everything. Uh, that was a pretty weird one, hmm. which I'm sure that was pretty, it was pretty nice for the vendors that, you know, stand on your feet all day to, to kind of be on AstroTurf, you know, instead of just yeah, instead of concrete. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Which hey, that's a long day. That's hey, a long day. Uh, Danny, uh, Jared, I gotta be right back. I've gotta go uh, get my daughters down for bed, and then I'll come back. Sure. Okie doke. Family, people, family. Family first. Were the batting cages open? No, I wish. Yeah, I batting wish cages in a gun show, like. Yeah, yeah. That seems like a win-win. Like if there was a, there were people there. I think four. The other activity. Oh, oh, here's a good one. So in Overland Park, uh, they have they have shows at um, for the last few years. They've, they've been in the same like expo center, and there's this like long hallway, and then it goes up these escalators and it goes um, upstairs. It's like on the second floor, but the first floor is like a big like area that can be rented out or you know for for various events. And one gun show, it was a huge like wedding, and so. All I could think of was how weird, like, these people are there for, like, a wedding reception or whatever, right? You know, they're all dressed up and everything. And there's just, like, a bunch of, you know, like, hillbilly-looking folks walking around with guns back and forth, like, right next to where this wedding reception is and everything. Like, you could see the food trays and everything. Um, that was kind of weird. I always wondered, like, if those people were a little bit upset that they uh, that they, they shared a space, like, with a with a gun show for their, for their wedding reception. But... Um, they used to have one. Uh, ironically, it's the same people that did Kmart and Best Buy. 
it was in this little strip mall and now it's a Dave and Buster's and I kind of wish they would have it next to the Dave and Buster's so we could go play video games and then go to the gun show. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, let's see. So other than other than weird weird locations, so there's pretty much when I see when I look up like gun shows in the area, I look up like where, you know, where it's at obviously, like for directions and stuff. But also to get like a, you know, a, a, a guesstimate of like what the size is going to be like. And I've noticed if it's at, like, a lot of them are at American Legions. I don't know if that's everywhere sort of thing, but everywhere I've been to, it seems like it's pretty common for them to be, like, at a VFW or uh, or an American Legion, um, which those tend to be much, much smaller shows. Um, Something that actually would kind of go for both pro and con then would be parking. Like, our our local show, we're going to one tomorrow, and you have to park rather far away because the parking lot fills up really fast and it would be nicer if they had more parking. Yeah. Yeah. I did. a man, I did a show like that in Utah and I remember the parking was crazy. Like I had to park, you had to park way far away and then walk all the way there. And all I could think of was like, damn, you know, if I buy a bunch of like rifles or ammo or whatever, and I have to haul this all the way in and out, you know, to the car, that's, that kind of sucks. But you do see the pros. You see the, like the seasoned, gun show guys that they always have like carts and stuff with them. Mm-hmm. Like just the guys that walk around and there's this one guy that's always at, uh, the, the local shows and he has this little like hand cart deal and he'll have like a couple of like rifles in it and like a big sign, you know, for, for whatever he's selling. But, uh, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Like the location. So <clears throat> when you're looking at one, a lot of times online, it'll list like the company of who's, who, who's, you know, who's running it. Some companies, they don't do small shows at all. They only do, like, bigger shows. Um, so you can kind of get an idea, like, you know, of a, of a company's reputation. So if you're looking it up, you know, that's, that's something to take, you know, keep in mind. The location of the show is, you know, is a big one as well. Um, I mean, before, <laughs> before, uh, before baby life, um, you know, I, w- I would drive, like, up, upwards of three hours, like, to, to go to a show, like, any, anywhere in the area. Um, and that's that's another good way, you know, of, of getting deals is if you could if you can drive, just go like look up all the shows around you and neighboring states, stuff like that, and just go because that's that's the best way ultimately, you know, because you just go to like to one like who is it? There's a YouTuber who made a video about like it was his first gun show that he's been to that year, and he was like, "This is terrible. I'm never going to a gun show again. This is why I don't go to gun shows." And he made a big you know video about that. He's a bigger, much bigger YouTuber. Than, uh, than, our, than our channel and it was just like hey man like that's the first one you've been to and you only went to one and you're giving up and you're talking bad about all of them because you went to one bad show you know that's uh that's tough because uh, you know all it really takes is one one dude one deal at one gun show to really make that show for you yeah you know so that's especially if you get there late if you get there late or you get there on the last day or whatever and then you complain that there's no good deals it's like yeah probably because they're all gone yeah. Probably all been bought up, but uh, yeah, yeah, there aren't that many around us. Like, if yeah. you, it, it's really kind of we live in kind of a weird area where it's kind of the next closest places to around us are like three or four hours away. So we could go to this one, and then there's one large one in Washington County that's uh, like two or three times a year. Yeah. And you live in you live in Pennsylvania for everybody that's yeah. doesn't know that. So it's. So, yeah, yeah, that's another thing too. It was it was a bit like that where I lived because I lived in the armpit of Florida, 
And it was like at least an hour drive to any gun show. Like at least an hour. Um, and yeah, to a decent one, you're looking at, yeah, two, three, maybe four hour drive. They actually used to have a military collector's show. And it was three times the size of any gun show that was around here. It was awesome. And I went to it twice. And then they moved to the other side of the state, which is a six-hour drive. Dang. Yeah, it, it sucks because it was an awesome show. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm such a, like a, a gun show addict. Like, to me, if, it was, if a show was worth it, you know, especially if you've gotten a few good deals from there, you know, I'd look at maybe getting, like, a, a hotel room or something, you know, like on Friday night, getting there early on Saturday. Sometimes that can be worth it, you know. Sometimes. But it's kind of like with, with gambling. You know, you just kind of have to, like, say, you look, it's just we're just having a good time. But, you know, if you don't, if you don't win, it's, it's okay. You mm-hmm. know, you're, just, you're, just, you're just having a good time, you know. Um, but, yeah, yeah, that's another, that's another good point. Military shows often get lumped in with gun shows. Mm-hmm. And they're, they really are kind of a different, a whole different animal, really. Um, because typically, you know, they, they don't allow, you know, junk there. They don't allow a lot of modern guns at, like, the military collector shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they don't have a lot of, like, fudge and Chinese knives and... Yeah, and, and purses and mm-hmm. tasers. Oh, God. What's, what's another cliche? Beef jerky? Beef jerky, yep. Yeah. Which we're probably, yeah, we're probably now touching into some of the... A con of a gun show, which is... The, uh, the, the crap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just stuff that they're selling tables and they're there to make money. I understand it. But if all the tables are full and you sold and there's 30 tables and you sold, you know, 10, 10 bullshit tables, then you have ruined a third of the show. Like, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, again, you know, the, the company's got to make money mm-hmm. if they want to keep doing gun shows. And and that varies too. Like that, that's another thing. Like you can't just you know see see one bad show and then decide that you you know you don't want to do it um, just just because of that. But um, like around here, something I've noticed is if the weather's bad, like so in the winter, uh, the the quality of the show goes down like quite a bit. Because um, I've talked to a couple of the dealers. Some of the dealers don't go to gun shows in the winter at all because uh say if it, there's a winter storm and i and i've actually been to uh, my my local gun show um like there was a really bad winter storm like the night before and kind of stretching on early into the morning a lot of people just didn't even go to the gun show because you know just the roads are snowed in and everything so i went to the show and it was man it was like a it's like a ghost town there's nothing but vendors good bit of the vendors didn't even show up to their tables and uh I mean, you could see clear, you know, clear across the show just because, you know, so many people didn't show up. And, uh, and it stinks for the, the vendors that show up because, you know, they, they still pay, they have all the same expenses as a big show, you know. And, you know, there's quite a lot of expenses that, that you know, dealers have for setting up at a gun show. And then if a bunch of people don't show up, then they're losing money. And uh, the guys that run the shows, they don't give, uh, like, refunds. You know, if if it's a bad show and nobody shows up to the show, they don't they don't give the vendors a refund. Um, so the vendors are just out. So a lot of times in the winter, vendors just don't even just won't even go to the shows. They won't even set up and do the shows. You know, just just because of the you know the the risk of of the show being a ghost town. Really, the major problem for that stuff around here seems to be if there's another one on a conflicting date, 
where you'd think they would kind of like plan for that, you know, Hey, let's uh, yeah. have two shows 20 miles apart at the same day. But I know it's happened several times where, and even the vendors that I've talked to, cause a couple of them were my like friends are like, yeah, we're going to go to this one because they're going to get three times the amount of traffic. It's like, well, I, yeah. I understand your point. You know, you make a valid point. You, you know, you gotta make money. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something too, you got to look into what other shows are going on. And cause it, like, I don't often look at shows, like, in the whole area. I'll just look at shows, like, around me in, like, maybe a three-hour three, three hour radius, something like yeah. that. And, uh, like, one show I showed up, some vendors that I always look for weren't there. I'm like, hey, what's going on? And they're like, oh, there's a big show going on in, uh, in New Orleans. There's a big military show. So all the guys are there. Uh, and then the, the Missouri Valley show at KCI. Um, typically, that's, that's a really good show. It's, it's full of, you know, really cool stuff. But they had it on the same weekend as Show of Shows in Kentucky. So all the big, big vendors, they went to the Show of Shows. Mm-hmm. Um, so they really split it up. And that was just really poor timing yeah. um, on, on their fault. And then um, I, I did a video on the, the gun show Perfect Storm where I went to three, three gun shows on a Saturday. And, uh, and that's another thing, too. It split, it split all those vendors. Because, you know, if it's, if it's close enough that I can go to all three in a day, then it's, you know, they're really pulling vendors from, from one show to another. And the funny thing was, is that um, each show I went to, they were talking about how their show sucks and they wish they set up at the other show. So, <laughs> like the, the vendors, I over vendors. So that's like one of those, you know, grasses. Grass is always greener. That's right. Yeah, kind of things. It's amazing to me how many people, I would say it's kind of a con actually would be the, that everyone brings the same thing and everyone wants the same price for their thing. So easy example, Glock 17. There's eight vendors with the same pistol and they're the same price. You would think that, that people would try to bring things that are different instead of just, yeah, I'm going to bring this whole section of, you know, X rifle or X pistol, but so yeah. a bunch of other people, you know what I mean? Yeah. I never, I never got that. I think it's, it's, um, I think it's one of those things too, where like they just kind of bring what sells, you That's know. True. And and a Glock is a really good selling gun. It might be the best, you know, selling pistol. And so they they bring what they think is going to sell. Um, but uh, interesting point. So like Glock prices at a show, like that to me is like a litmus test of how how a vendor prices their stuff. So like I can go around and you know, just see like the prices of the same exact like Glock 19 and just see. Yeah. Um, It's a little off topic, but you know, something crazy I've always noticed is that uh, at gun shows, used Glocks tend to be higher prices than new Glocks. Have you ever noticed that? I've only ever seen a few, like they were like police clocks, right? They were, they were trade-ins and they were reasonably priced. Yeah. Well, if you get a vendor that, got a batch of police trading Glocks and that could be a good price. But I mean like, and maybe I think this is just in the last like couple, like year or so since the scare and everything, but mm-hmm. I'll see like new Glocks and they're priced around like five fifty, Um, which to me, that's like kind of pushing it a little high for like a new Glock. I feel, I don't know if I'm just out of touch with Glock price, but I feel like around five, I just remember seeing them for years, like five and under, like for little, for new. Mm-hmm. Now they're like yeah five fifty or whatever. But then I'd go to another table and there's a guy selling like a used Glock and it's like a you know private sale or whatever. And he's asking like six plus for it. And it's just like this just a nothing special whatever same exact model. And if I if I wanted to get into it a little more, I would just be like hey like why yeah just, you know 
Why is that? But uh, getting back to what I was saying, like with, right. with the, the litmus test, like I, I, you can just go around and just price them. And then, you know, if a, if a vendor has, and just kind of see the lowest price one of the, of the whole show, which is, which is good, you know, if you're actually looking to buy a new gun or something like that. But that, you know, that can be an indicator too if a vendor has mil serps and a Glock and you see their Glock is priced high, then, you know. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's another thing too. I think a lot of people, um, maybe this is, this is one of the cons for, for a gun show, but, you know, prices. Um, so I hear a lot of people complain about prices. And I, I mean, I have too, especially with the, with the recent Wanamaker show. Um, of how the price is going to be, you know, very, very high there. But I doubt, I, I would say that the, the majority of people actually don't like haggle at all. They just see a price and go, oh, nope, and just like stop there, you know. Um, and even if it's not even that much, maybe, you know, 100 bucks more or something than, than, than they think it should be, they just like stop, you know, and just go, nope, that's, that, you know, which is... Maybe that's maybe that's just the way people are, you know, because we're used to walking into a store and seeing a price, and you know, there's no like haggling with Walmart, you know. So you just you don't, you, to, you people maybe just aren't used to, you know, bartering. I would say that's um, actually a, a pro is the ability to talk about price. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Not, so you know, not to keep beating negatives, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's actually a good thing where you can. It, it's usually a, a person, and you can you can talk to them like you know, hey you know, would you take this or would you, or you can, you know, you could also trade like, you know, would you want to do trade this and some trade or whatever? Like, and that's something you can usually do at a show that you usually can't do at a store as easily. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah, if you have a, you have a gun, you're not crazy about it anymore. You don't want it anymore, you know, bring it along to, to barter. So yeah, the, the bartering is a good point. And um, you know, and, and, also, you know, cash, cash money talks, you know, that's the, that's the best way of like negotiating, you know, is being like, Hey, like, you know, if I, how about, would you take this cash? Like, you know, you see a gun that's $500 and say, would you take 450 cash? You know, and, yeah. and kind of take it from there. Cause I think that's a lot of vendors will be much more willing to just take the, you know, take the cash and like that. I've done deals before with vendors like that, you know, getting them their price low. To the point where I'm like, I'm wondering, <laughs> like I'm wondering, because they they eat the tax sometimes when when they've done that. I'm trying to think of my most recent deal. Oh, the uh, I bought a Brazilian 0834, and I got them like down, and then they like said, okay, well like no tax, so this is just a flat cash price. Um, so they went down and they took off the the tax, and I've always wondered like. Well, those guys, since it's like a cash deal, are they just kind of putting in their books like that that it sold for a lot less, you know? Since there's no like credit card, you know, thing that they have to like, you know, trace the price or whatever. That's just something I I thought about. But it is common to run into like no other thing in the world. If you use a credit card for it, they'll they'll charge you three percent. But if you go to buy a gun, they'll charge you three percent for using a credit card. Like that's very common. Even at gun stores, it's very common for them to you know try to tack on three percent mm-hmm. um my uh the the high power i bought they tacked on three percent yeah you know yeah i think anytime i've bought not anytime but most of the time you when you buy with things on like Gunbroker and stuff it would usually say in the description you know credit card is three percent and usually when it doesn't it's like no fee you know and they have it in big bold letters like yeah yeah you save money i mean it's great which i think it's a th- <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm talking outside 
of what I actually know here, but I think there's like a some sort of deal where like if a credit card company finds out that you're charging credit card users more money, then they'll like they'll do something. I don't know. Like they don't credit card companies don't like it when you know when companies do that. So I think they get around that by the by saying the price discount. Hmm. Say this this price reflects the cash discount price. And yes, if you use a credit card, then. I think that's I think that's how they get around it. But either way, like they can word it however they want to word it. It's still they're 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 charging people, you yeah. know, three three percent, however however they want to spin it, um, you know, which is interesting. That's one of those. It's just like only one of those gun things, man. Kind of I've kind of said that before, but you only run into that kind of stuff like dealing with guns. And roof companies, my roof company charged me. Oh, credit card fee. Yep, they did. Trust me. <laughs> Man, yeah, yeah, that's one of those things, man. I don't know. I wouldn't ever like snitch or whatever, but like if it was a large amount of money, dude, you know, and then they're already give the give a little credit card company a ring and ring. Okay, what are we talking about? <laughs> Price, yeah. Prices, yeah, so it's kind of okay. Well, I was saying like it's a con because gun shows tend to be higher priced. Now, there's there is a reason for that, and it's because the expenses of a gun show is pretty high. Um, and I don't think people truly understand the time and money and everything that goes into that goes into a vendor being having to set up, you know, at a show. That's your. Um, that's definitely your area, not mine. Yeah, dang it! And you know, I I was I was gonna record. I actually did record a video, and something happened with the camera, and so I couldn't I couldn't use it. But I recorded a, a video talking about that, where it's like, you know, the these vendors at gun shows, they either have full time jobs. Or they like have a gun store that's open, you know, Monday through Friday. And so this is their weekend. Like this is their day off. And like nobody wants to work their days off. And these people are probably working their days off first off. Um, if they have employees, they're paying their employees to be there and work, right? Mm-hmm. If the gun show is far away and they have to, you know, and they, they want to do it anyway, then they have, you know, hotel costs. Then they have gas, you know, they have the cost of a truck or trailer if they need something like that to bring these guns. Um, there's just a ton of, exp- and then the tables. I mean, what was it? A table can vary at a small show. A table might be as low as $50. Um, I think what I've seen, it tends to be like 70 to $90 a table for, for most shows, you know, and you see a vendor that's got like, you know, 10 tables or whatever. That's, you know, that's, a, that's a lot of money. Like they're already in the hole pretty deep. So the prices just kind of have to be a little higher to make up for that. So it just kind of is what it is. Like, it's just, you know, it, that's, that's the price you pay for the, for the show. But the pro side of it, there is bartering. There, you know, there is cash deals, stuff like that. Um, so I just kind of think it, it, is, it is what it is a little bit when it, when it comes to prices, prices at shows. Hmm. All right. Now, gun stores. Here we go. Um, like, what do you think is a big pro? of a gun store over a gun show? Like, what's the first thing that you could think of? Wow. Not to, not to My mind just spot. went completely blank. Yeah. Uh, pro over gun store over gun show. Yeah, there's not, there's not many. No, there really isn't. It's just, other than they're always there. Yeah, that, they're would, always, be, yeah. that would be my first thing. Would I mean, be yeah. like, if I point. need ammo, prim- well, primers, but, you know, components, um, stuff like that, and I need it now, I can usually go to a store and buy it. Yeah, instead of waiting two months or whatever for the for the next show. Yeah. Or having to make sure you have the weekend off and everything. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's the first thing to me because you know traveling for work or something's like, oh, I could just swing in here and see, you know, different different stuff or whatever, you know. Yeah, to me that's the first one. To me, you know, I have, at first I have on this list. I I put that it's a higher chance of finding low prices at a at a gun store. Um, now there's that you know, I think the main reason why there's a higher chance is because at a show, if there's an item like a Milserp that's like a really good deal. That show is full of other vendors who will see it and buy it up and resell it for hire, like immediately. Um, so I think you at a gun store, you have a higher chance of finding a low price because, you know, you'll, there'll be a vendor that just, for whatever reason, they're pricing it like five years ago prices. Uh, it's on consignment and they don't care. They're just getting a percentage, you know, that kind of stuff exists. And there's not like a ton of other vendors, like not a lot of other gun store owners walk into other gun store owners, like into other gun stores all the time to like buy up their stock. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there's not a whole lot of that. So I think you do have a higher chance of finding a low price. Um, now, the flip side of that is that there's a lot of driving mm -hmm. that's involved. So, like, to see the same amount of, like, vendors or FFLs or gun, gun dealers or whatever, to see the same amount as a gun show would involve quite a bit of driving mm -hmm. around a city. Um, like, the last time I've, like, I've hit up all the, the gun stores, like, in, in Kansas City, like, it was, like, an all-day thing, you know, because each show is, or each store is, like, you know, say, maybe 30 minutes apart or whatever, or 15 minutes apart, you know, through the city, through different traffic, and you kind of have to plan out, like, which direction to go and everything. And, and um, not all gun stores are going to have the kind of gun that you're looking for. Yep. Yep. They're not all going to have it. Um, so it's going to be a lot of driving, a lot of gas, you know, s stuff like that. So it's, um, that's, that is a, a pretty big con of, of gun stores. Cause I know a lot of guys that are just like, nah, I'm not going to go to guns, gun shows. I'm just going to go to my gun store. And it's like, well, you know, if you want to see the same number of stuff, you want to see the, like a lot of stuff, like you have to go to a lot of gun stores, you know. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you if you have those stores, there's some good stores, um, you know, out there. Like there's a couple in this area that I know kind of always have milserps, or at least are higher, you know, a more likely chance of having milserps in my area. And I kind of tend to go and go to those. Um, and there's one store that always has like a rack of milserps, and like there are always three hundred dollars like over retail. Like every single one. Like I don't know who prices their stuff or how it does, but they, I mean, you know, the plus it, you, it's always there. Like if you just absolutely had to have it, you know, it's it's there. Um, but I usually add that to like my my stop of places to go like around around the city because it's, you know, at least I can you know see it and whatever. Um, man, one gun that that sh that store that I was talking about had. This was like three years ago. I went to it. They had a Arasaka Type ninety nine. And it had all the all the bells and whistles on it, you know. It had the mum and dust cover. It had a sling and everything. I think they wanted nine hundred bucks for it. And just at the time, I was like, "That's ah, too high," you know. I can get one cheaper, kind of thing. And like now, for a Type ninety nine like that, um, those things bring quite a bit of money on Gunbroker. Mm -hmm. I think like twelve, twelve plus for a Type ninety nine like that. It was amazing to me that I stopped at uh, Cabela's. Which they normally have their used guns, you know, no big deal. And our Cabela's in the the only one that's even around us 
they had stuff like $600 above what I thought it would be going for. Some stuff. Yeah, Cabells can be pretty hit or miss. Yeah. Um, they tend to, at least the, the one here, um, they tend to rotate stuff, like go through stuff pretty fast. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not like that, that high. From what I remember, the prices are usually like 100, 150, like a little bit higher than, than like a retail. Um, but they go through it pretty fast. Oh, man, I was I, I think I told you about the uh, was it the Chilean 1912? That was mm-hmm. at Cabela's. Yeah, I wish I would have grabbed that. It was it was all matching except for one part of the bolt. Um, I think it was the safety or something was was mismatched. But everything else was real nice. I think they wanted like five or six for it. I was on a Friday. And I was like, I like, I just wasn't expecting, you know, I, it wasn't on my radar. Like, I didn't really need one. I already have one kind of thing. And then I went home and I thought about it and I did some research and I saw what Chilean 1912s right now are bringing. And it's like, you know, I should get that. And I went back on Saturday and it was it was gone. Um, so they do have they do have quite the quite the turnover. I, I tend to go there like every month or every month or two to my local Cabela's. And it's always like all new stuff. They never have the, the same stuff whenever whenever I go there. Um, yeah. I know of a few guys that if a gun doesn't sell at the gun show, they just they just bring it to Cabela's to sell yeah. for them. You know, and I wonder how how many times that happens. You know, with stuff at with stuff at gun shows, like how often does that need to happen? Because if a certain gun is like niche, so say there is a good deal, right? So people are like, there's no good deals at gun shows. Well, maybe there is a gun show, but maybe it's you know a smaller show, and the good deal is you know uh, a Roth Krinka. Um, but the guy wants 800 bucks for it, right? Mm-hmm. And nobody knows what it is. They just see $800 for a weird old pistol. Heck no, and the gun doesn't sell, you know? Mm-hmm. But then the guy brings it to Cabela's, and Cabela's is like, oh, shoot, we'll get you a 12 for that or whatever, you know? Yep. And and then the guy's like, well, shoot, I'm not going to set up at a gun show anymore. I'm just going to bring it to bring it to Cabela's and, and sell it on there. Because I've seen quite a bit of deals like that at, at local shows. Like decent decent deals that just sit there, um, for some reason it's really odd how stuff doesn't sell. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what it is because it's weird because at the same time, you know, like you'll say prices are high and everything, and there's not enough good deals. But then some some deals just sit there, sit there all weekend. Yeah, yeah. No one knows what they are, or, or they don't know what it is, and so they can't even tell you. To that way, you can they can't research it themselves. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Yeah, speaking of deals at shows, I think I've talked to you a little bit about this already, but I'll, I'll say it here. It's fine. Um, I am super excited to be looking at that German high power mm-hmm. tomorrow. Um, I think that'll be that'll be pretty sweet. Um, it's a uh, so it's a it's a tangent sight German high power. So the tangent sight high powers, man, those go for really. It's they're premium already, but then a German tangent sight is like. They're up there. It's not slotted, um, but it comes with a holster and two German mags. And uh, the interesting thing is the holster has got a guy's name written on it. So, like, the vet who uh, who got it, he, he, like, carved his name into the holster. And then he, it looked like he got something, like, pretty, like, the, the scratches looked like it was done with, like, a needle or something. Like, it's very skinny. It's very fine. But faintly on the right side of the frame, it's got the same name carved in the, the right side of the frame as it does on the holster. And, I mean, typically, anything like that done to a gun is, like, ugh, like it's a pretty big turnoff. 
<laughs> but it's the same exact name on the holster of the vet. And, uh, and I think that's, that's kind of like an exception. And it's not like blatant. It's not like, ooh, like you don't see it. You have to kind of look for it and hold it in the light, right? Because like I said, it looks like it was carved in like with a needle or something. Like it's very, it's very, I don't know what he, what he did it with. It, like, because a knife would have scratched it up more or something. I'm not sure what he used. But um, to me, I think that's really cool. Like a, a named item. Like mm-hmm. there's not too many, not too many named um, bringbacks. You know what I mean? Um, the only way you kind of know that is maybe if it's if the gun's you know papered or or something like that. But yeah, um, that's a pretty neat set with the those German German high power mags are like pretty pricey, and then with the holster and everything. So I'm pretty excited. I'm I'm hoping to do a deal with the with the guy tomorrow, and uh, and add that because been on a high power kick as of late. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, man. I go through phases. I went through the the Nambu phase for a minute. I'm in a high. I'm in a high power phase. Yeah, I always joke with my wife. I'm like, because I, I know you go through phases, and I'm like, I just <laughs> catch the leftovers of the phase. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty much, man. Like I, and, and with the channel too, it's kind of one of those things because, like, I you know, I got into Type 14s, really liked them. I got two decent examples, did a lot of research, made the video, and then it kind of gets it out of my system. And and also, I know like. I need to I need to make a video about another thing. Like I can't be the 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 Type 14 channel, you know, or I can't just be the Japanese pistol channel. You know, I have to I have to have some variety and kind of do all, do all sorts of you know all sorts of guns. So mm-hmm. that's probably the. It's weird how much the show, like the, having the channel, affects my my gun purchases because I've straight up bought stuff only because like like a it's a good deal and then b like. Oh, this would make a good video. Like, I should do a video on this. Like, oh, there's, there hasn't been a video on this, on this gun before. Um, oh, I, uh, I met a guy at a local, uh, at a local show. There's a little military show, um, and I ran into him, and he's like, "Hey, man, I watched your your video on the Type 14. Like, it was it was a great, you know, it was a great video." I'm like, "Oh, cool, thanks." And he goes, "Oh, and then when you read the quote from the book, I was like, oh shit, he's gonna read the quote." And he's like, "Yeah, you did." He's like, "That's my favorite quote from any gun book ever." The the one that I read on the on the Type 14 video. <laughs> so I thought that was I thought that was that was pretty cool. Um, but he knew, he knew the quote. Like those those Nambu, like the the Japanese you know collectors, the military collectors, like those those guys are pretty are pretty like hardcore with their with their stuff. When you went to the large show, was it Wanamaker? Oh yeah, yeah. Wanamaker. Did you get, did you get recognized? <laughs> yeah, I did. Cool. I did it quite a few times. Yeah, more, more than when I went there in 2019. Um, yeah, it happened. It happened fairly frequently. It was usually when I was standing in place when I was walking. Um, you know, not not so much, but like when I was I, I was standing at the table at Panzerfaust Armory's table, and every now and then somebody would stop and and would say, "Hey, man, I love your videos and stuff like that." And that was that was really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's funny. Uh, I said this to my wife like years ago. I said, uh, I don't know how many years ago. It was when the channel was really, 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 really tiny. And I was like, babe, can you imagine if somebody like recognizes me, you know, like for my videos, for me doing this? And that was back, you know, when I was like 500 subs or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, and like, yeah, now it now it happens, um, you know, fairly fairly frequently at shows, and it's uh, it's amazing. I always I always love meeting people and everything um, that way. Uh, but I guess I'm digressing here. Yeah, to the point we're talking about. Oh yeah, gun gun stores. 
gun stores. Um, the last the last con I was talking about was the more driving to see the same amount of vendors. Yes. Um, yeah, we cover, you did cover that one. Yeah. Um, it's also with that with gun stores, it's easier to build rapport, you know, at a gun store. Um, and I've often given that advice to people who like want to find deals is that building rapport with a gun store is like, it's, it's one of the best things that you can do in order to get stuff. Because, you know, if, if they get a gun consignment or, you know, an estate sale or whatever, and they're selling a, an old Milserp for whatever reason, if they know, oh yeah, you know, Tom loves these guns, doesn't he? Let's give him a call. Mm-hmm. You know, then, then they'll, you know, if you're friends with them, they'll think about you and they'll, and they'll call you or, you know, text you or whatever. And they'll let you know that they got a good deal on. And, um, that's something, that's something really cool, you know, to have with your local shop. But yeah, I've tried, I dude, I've tried so hard to do that with my, uh, with my honey hole, you know, the, the story <laughs> went to, Yep. they just, they just, I don't know what it is. They, you know, I'm like, Hey, like call me if you ever get stuff like this and I'll leave them my card with my number and stuff. And they just never, they've never contacted me. Um, which is like really disheartening because like I've spent quite a bit of money in their store and I've been in there quite a few times talking to them and everything. And, uh, they just don't, I don't know what it is. Um, so it's kind of weird. Like when they got those Argentines in that we went for, Mm -hmm. um, they had a few more Mausers like that. And I found out from their Facebook, like I had to go to their Facebook and see like, Oh shoot, they got a new batch of guns in, you know, and then, and then go there and, um, you know, uh, a few, a few others sold. Um, so it doesn't always work, you know, you don't always get the, you know, you can't always build the rapport because some, some gun stores are just, you know, they're just run by assholes, you know, you're not gonna maybe not get along with them, you know, uh, some old timer, you know, the stereotypical FUD gun store, gun shop owner. There is one that I go to, I don't get to go to it as much because I never really spent a lot of time in Cleveland anymore but i was up there quite a few times and the, there was one guy that actually works there he does remember me i can walk in you know oh hey how you doing and and we have the same collection interest so he's like oh i don't have very much today or oh i got this in so it it does help and if you buy things from there sometimes they'll give you better deals because it is on consignment or it's something that they bought at a show themselves you know for 500 bucks and they'll you know we'll give it to you 550 in, instead of what it's listed as yeah, yeah, that's true. Sometimes, sometimes they'll give you deals if you've if you bought one of them a lot before. Um, very oftentimes, yeah, they'll 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 give you they'll give you deals, which is um, which is cool. Except for the honey hole, they don't. I've talked to them a lot on prices; they don't budge either. I swear, I, if it wasn't for the deals that walk in their place, man, I wouldn't deal with them at all, probably. Because like, <laughs> except for when I've bought stuff, I've never gone in there and been like happy that I went in and like yeah. talked to them and stuff. Like it's. It's weird. A weird place. Did you get that vibe at all when you were there? Is this just me? No, no, I agree with you. Yeah. It was very strange. I don't know. It's it's hard to explain. It's one of them things you just gotta It's quiet. Experience. Yeah. The place is quiet and it's too the building is too big for the amount of stuff that they have. So there's a lot of open space. Mm -hmm. So there's that like awkward, like long distance of walking in the door to walking back to where the guns are. And uh Oh man, and it's very obvious that the staff just does not know guns. Um, yes. They had. I, I went to the, I went to the gun shop, man. They had a. Uh, oh shoot! I have their website up. I, I can see what it is. That um, shoot the M11. I forgot who makes those. You know, like the M11, M10 sub sub guns. Like a Mac. Yes, 
the Cobra, the SWD Incorporated Cobra, or the yeah, or the Mac. They had like a Mac 10 and a Mac 11 carbine, and uh, so I'm like, hey, oh, that's that's interesting. You got you have a Mac 10. I was like, is that a, you know, and I'm like, what's what's up with that? Yep. And the, this is like legit. Um, what like the store manager said. Uh, she goes, oh yeah, that's the that's the Mac 10. It uh, you know looks a lot like an Uzi, <laughs> like that. That was her like info on the gun, and and it's not just because like she just said that. Um, it's like, that's just like what she said about everything. She has like the one thing like to say about the gun. Yeah. Um, she had a, uh, she had an AK on the wall and, um, I couldn't like tell what it was. It's so far away. That's another thing with that place. The guns are so far away. You can't see them or whatever. It's, that's awkward. And so you can't see the prices. So I'm like, what's, what's the deal with the AK? Is that one of the century guns? You know, like one of the century builds. Mm-hmm. But, she, and she says, yes. But when I go onto the website, it's actually a Zestava. It's not like a, it's not a century build gun. But I think she just said like, yes. Isn't that where they called an Argentine Mauser a moniker? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause yep, it, it is the carbine. Cause it has the, uh-huh. it has the long stock on it. Uh huh. And it's not a moniker stock. Yep. Yep. They just called it that. Cause it's a, cause it's a quote unquote moniker, moniker stock. Yeah. And, oh yeah. They have, a, they have a Rockola M1 there. Uh, and it's not like a, it's got like all the post-war, you know, it's got the bayonet lug and stuff. And uh, they want twenty eight hundred for it, mm. and uh, they just got in a few days ago. They got a nineteen sixteen Spanish Mauser in three hundred eight, and uh, they want six hundred dollars for it. So it's actually an interesting piece of trivia. There is the uh, the statue of I think I've said it's on here before. The statue of Iwo Jima, the like the iconic statue that's in Washington D.C. of the the guys that are raising the flag up. That statue is wrong. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. All of the carbines have bayonet lugs on the statue. Oh. They did not have bayonet lugs when they raised the flag at Iwo Jima. Yeah, yeah, no, they wouldn't. So, oh, man. If, yeah, if you look at the statue. I wish, I wish that's, a, that's a fact I wish I didn't know because every time I see that statue or image, like it's going gonna, it's gonna to bug me. Yes, yeah. It, one of those. Yep, you can look at it. They have little bayonet lugs on it. It's like, that's actually wrong. They used the wrong model M1 carbine. Man. Yeah, that's one of those examples of like when an artist doesn't know guns, you know? Yeah. They hire an artist well, that doesn't know guns. They like got HK's, M1 carbines, you know, HK's, out of the factory. Like, oh yeah, these have this on it. Yeah. That's weird, though. They at least base it off the picture or something, but yeah, I don't know. That's um, a small detail, but... Yeah, I guess so. Or maybe it's something to do with like 3D, you know, 2D or 3D mm-hmm. or whatever, because then, you know, maybe one of the barrels or something was out of view on the on the image, but right. yeah. Oh, the the big the big uh, thing that everyone talks about when you have a when you have a photographer that doesn't know guns. There was that uh, the the was it the booklet or whatever that HK put out, and it was showing off their newest P two thousand or whatever pistol, and uh, the bullets were loaded in the magazine backwards. Yep, on the cover. It. Yeah, and they quickly tried to like grab them all up from people. Oh yeah, I bet that's like a collector's item now. It is. I've actually yeah. seen them. Like it actually is. Man, yeah, they done. They done goofed. How did they, how did I not get caught somewhere along the lines too? Man, what's obvious to us is not obvious to others. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Let's see. Um, yeah. So it's funny. I'm looking at these points for for gun shows versus gun stores, and we've kind of touched on a lot. Typically, more variety at gun shows. Mm-hmm. Um. 
also a con of a gun show is that it can vary widely depending on the type of show that it is. I think we kind of talked about that, you know. If you're looking at a gun show that's, you know, at a American Legion or something like that, it's, you know, probably going to be tiny. Um, man, there was a gun show that I went to uh, a few months ago, and it was like an hour drive each way. And as soon as I pulled up, I'm like, I made a mistake. This was a huge waste of time, you know, because like that amount of time for me with a with a baby is like a huge deal, you know, to get that time off. Mm-hmm. And I and I walk in there, dude, and it was like there was three rows of tables, like oh, wow. eight like eight wide. So there's like just not very many vendors. Yeah, that's and I lot. just walked in there. I walked around. I saw the whole the whole all the displays in like three minutes, and it was just like wow. You know, I forgot I forgot what it was to even go in there, but uh, but that's one of those things, man. I do it, I because I have I have really bad FOMO, gun show FOMO, gun show FOMO. We, we gotta come up with another term for that. Yeah, because I don't know what that means. Gun FOMO. Oh, fear of missing out. Okay. Fo- yeah, FOMO. It's like you with I think it's used for like kids and their phones or whatever. But I have it for gun shows, man. Like if I. If I think about a gun show that's happening, I just imagine all these amazing deals or whatever. I'm like, oh, there's so much stuff that I'm missing out. And, you know, especially just after being to shows and seeing the deals that were had, you know, that I missed out on. That That's another thing, too, that makes me want to, like, go more and more. Um, yeah, gun gun show FOMO, man. I, I get that pretty pretty hardcore. It's one of my main motivating factors to, to get up early on a weekend and go to a, go to a show. When you go to them, do you prefer the the rifles that are in racks that are, or do you prefer when they lay them out on the tables flat? Uh, I think I'm much flat, flat on the table, but rifles and racks is a good sign. Um, cause it typically means that there's, well, there's more, it's probably just more guns in general with their on racks and also their, um, higher turnover type guys. Like, um, so like there's a better chance of finding a deal on a rack. If that makes any sense. Um, so, guns can be guns can be hidden like in the back of a rack or like in between two guns. Then it could be like a specific like a, it, could, it could be something special about it, or whatever, and it could be looked over because it's on the rack. But if it's sitting on the table, kind of plain, um, I don't know if I answered that. No, you did because well, I, I actually am opposite. I prefer when they're sitting in the racks because I can look at a rack of guns and usually I do it by the front sight, and I can tell what things I want to look at in the rack yeah, because yeah. I I can quickly assess it and. Versus okay. if you're on the table, it takes I'm, me a little more time. All right, yeah, I'm smelling what you're stepping in. Yeah, so <laughs> when I'm going through a show, I look for racks, and I do that same thing. I look at the look for rifle racks of rifles, and I look at that front end and look for the wood. You know, the old wood that goes all the way down. You know, because <laughs> if I see a bunch of exposed barrels, I'm like, nope, don't care. But then right. if I see you know rows of whatever, you know, yeah, Danny right. likes to see rows of that hardwood. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Yeah, that's what I look for, man. Just good good wood. Just something about feeling that harp wood in your hands, you know? No. <laughs> just some good just some good handsome dark wood, you know? What were you uh what were you guys discussing before I <laughs> made my stupid joke? Oh, uh, we were we were talking about uh Gun shows and if uh, Jared asked if I prefer if it's laying on the table or the rifles and racks. And if I'm doing a speed run, I kind of prefer them. Like if they were all in racks, that would be better because I could just eyeball it real quick and go around. Because some, like I, when I work a gun show or work through a gun show, I, I just do like I start on one end and just zip through all the aisles, you know, so I can see everything. But 
if I see a rack and I see old guns in it, which is much easier to see if they're in racks, I'll skip a row or whatever and zoom over real quick, you know, and, mm -hmm. and look at it and then go back to where it was and, and continue. Um, so, like, I think they sell better if they're on the table versus versus on racks, though, for some reason. I don't know if you, I don't know if you guys ever noticed that it shows, but rifles laying on a table sell, sell better, I think. It's because you're able to pick it up, manipulate it, and actually see it versus having to speak to somebody to get it off a rack. Yeah, I mean, not always is it, like, not able to touch it in a rack, but I think it's just about seeing the whole gun, and you can't really see all of it in the back. It's I'm true. trying to think. Oh, there's one show I went to in Topeka. There's a rack of guns, and in the rack, I look at it, and I see, like, a Bertier, like, front end. So I'm like, oh, it's a Bertier, but as I look down, it's got, like, no Monlicker magazine. So I went, oh, shit, that's a LaBelle, you know? So I grabbed it, and uh, it was, like, 800 bucks. I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure like somebody would have snatched this up by now, had that been you know not kind of hidden on the on the rack like that for for a discerning eye. Um, I watched somebody pull a Ski Trooper M28 out of a rack. They had a rack of Mosins. They were all finished. They were all M39s except for one of them. But from the distance, they all looked the same. Yeah, then that extra slot in the stock, like that's one of those things vendors don't care about, you know? Yeah, the guy so, didn't know it was uh, 500 bucks. Oh, yep, yep. It's like, oh. Yeah, it's one of those things, man. It's all it's a little it's a little minutia. Yeah. That that matters with, with Millsurps. An extra a tiny extra marking. I was just talking to somebody who um man, he sent me pictures from his uh local store. It's it's eighteen hours away or, or else I would be there. I thought about flying there. The pictures of this I mean, the whole inside of the store, you know, is covered with, you know, mil militaria and helmets and, and Millsurps, and he was telling me some of the prices. It's like, damn, I'd, I'd go there. But, uh, yeah, like, that's... Forgot Everybody the point use your triangulation to figure out 18 hours away from where Danny is located. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, because... Yeah. Anywho, he, I don't want to say where, where it was. He asked me not to, not to, like, you know, not to spill the beans, of, of course. There's one like that where our... Of course, Danny. I would never tell you, tell me where the M95s are. <laughs> You always ask that too. Every gun show I go to, Aaron's like M95s? Question mark. Like every time I'm at a gun show, Aaron asks and, me that. And what's the problem that I run into? They're all like 500 plus. No, if there's any there. Yeah, because, I mean, they're... because they're not popular, and that was going to be my my con of a gun show. Well, that's the thing, man. If a gun is less popular, it's going to be there more. I disagree. They won't take the time to bring it because they it's won't not bring well. the cheap stuff. They're going to bring uh, the stuff they think it's going to sell and it's going to make money. So I think it's about price point. I think if you're, if you're going to bring a gun to a show and if you brought a $200 gun or a $2,000 gun, that $200 gun is going to sell, right? Because just, people are just way more likely to have $200 in their pocket than, than two grand, right? Uh, and also, like, highly sought-after guns or whatever that would sell, like K98Ks, you don't see, like, I have not seen a lot of K98Ks at shows lately. They're just, like, just aren't. But you do, I, like, I do run across, like, M95s and stuff. And I think that's just because, like, they're not, they're not that popular. People know what they are and stuff. Just people, like, don't care. They don't want to hold on to a K98K. They get a, a K98K, or they don't want to hold on to an M95. If they get a K98K in a trade or in their store or whatever, the owner's probably keeping it. And I've talked to quite a few store owners and uh, pawn shop owners that are like, oh, yeah, if we get any of that stuff in, like, I'm just keeping it. 
But in M95, they get that in, they're just they're just flipping it. You know, and I, I saw Joel do that at uh, at the at the gun show um, at, at Wanamaker. He just um, a, a kid wanted uh, a number four. He had a he had a long branch number four that was kind of rough, and the kid had an M95, and they did a he had to get, had some cash, but he they did a trade, and he got the M95, and he just put it on the rack. But if that was a K98K, Joel would have kept that K98K. He'd have been like, cool, that's going to my collection. So, um, my gun. Yeah store one of the gun stores i go to the guy did that um the the they're cool with me and they oh you know i looked around the store i'm like okay and he's like hold on and he went back into his office and come out with like a a really really nice chilean m95 that still has like fire blue on the parts that are supposed to be fired blued you know hey i was not going to sell this i will sell it to you and i i paid a really good price it was like 500 bucks for it yeah, for for a really nice one, that's uh that's probably not terrible. I think they've gone up a little bit, 1895s. Chilean. Yeah, make mm-hmm. sure that we make clear because we were talking about it, two different M95s. Yeah, here. yeah, I was yeah, mine was a Chilean Mauser that had. Oh it, geez, the, yeah. I think the make sure we're clear. All the, the 1895s. Yeah, the bolt release and I think the floor plate is uh fire blued, or not floor plate uh follower. Oh yeah, yeah. It still has the fire bluing on it. That's the only one I've seen that has that. Yeah, that fire bluing is handsome. Yeah, on old guns, like legit. Yeah. Like there's a bit of fire bluing on my uh, on my Red Nine, and it mm-hmm. just it just pops. It yep. makes the gun pop. You know, when you got bluing and a couple parts in the white, and then some like stri- you know, fire straw bluing. It's just like that's the that's the good good. Mm-hmm. But he he pulled it out of his office. It wasn't on the floor to sell. He he brought it out. So. Yeah, which is cool. That goes with building rapport at yes, local shows. Um, or shops. Or yeah, that's what I meant. Shops. Yeah, building rapport at shops because um, my friend Matt, who works at who works at a gun shop here, um, you know, he's done that a couple times. Um, that's how I ended up with my um, G1234 because Matt's like, "Hey, man, I got this in the back," and uh, yeah, he hands it to me, and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm I'm FM buying that, dude." Yeah, right now. I just haven't had much luck at shows. Yeah, area is a big thing. Um, I hear from a lot of people that are like, "Dude, shows in my area it sucks," you know. And I and I guess it is. I I don't, I don't know what it is. It's it's lukewarm here, you know. It it just it varies. Friggin' Washington though. I've talked about that a lot here, but damn, Washington State. I miss those shows. I don't know what it is about PN PN Dub, Millstrip scene up there, man. I have a long list of regrets of stuff that I did not buy when I was living in the Pacific Northwest. A very <laughs> long list. Which is a weird thing that you would not expect to say. All the Millsurps in Washington. Yeah, yeah, I know. Nobody nobody thinks it. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why they're there. Nobody would expect it. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, Aaron, when you were kind of gone, we went. We, we kind of went over the list. I'll name some of these things that we talked about already if you want to touch touch on it. Uh, pro of gun shows is that the bunch of vendors, uh, and typically more variety at shows. Um, con is that the quality of the show can vary widely depending on the location and the company that does it and everything. Um, agree. Yeah. Um, prices. Um, I was going to say that gun show prices tend to be a little high because there's just a, a large amount of expenses, uh, yeah. that vendors take on for, for, for doing shows. Um, but then also price can kind of be a pro at a show because a lot of times they'll negotiate. 
a lot of times, you know, cash is king. You know, you can ask for a cash price or whatever, you know, negotiate. There's a lot of people that pull out a wad of cash, you know, while they're negotiating to try to tempt tempt the, the seller. That does not work as well as people people think it will. That's kind of funny. I don't know if people just think like you're, the vendors are cash strapped or something like that, but I've seen people offer low ball amounts with like the money in their hand thinking that that's going to be the trick. And like, no, nah, that doesn't work as well as people think it does. It's making a respectful cash offer price, I think, is the best. Mm-hmm. Best. And no, and and this is basic negotiation, which doesn't happen a whole lot in the U.S. So a lot of people don't have that uh, haggling yeah. mentality. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 exactly one of the things I said. Yeah, like people just aren't used to that. You know, you're used to going into Walmart and just that's the set price. You don't haggle it. Either buy it or you don't. Yeah. And people go into shows, and I think yeah, they don't understand that it's that yeah. There's a bit of negotiation. You can haggle. You can talk to the guy. You know, yep. Like that's Bob. This is Bob's stuff. He owns that right there. It's not like a big, you know, a big corporation or whatever that owns all this stuff that doesn't negotiate. Um, um, now with gun stores, uh, one of the points I made was I think there is a higher chance. Agree or disagree with this, Aaron? I'm I'm curious. A higher chance of finding low prices at a gun store. I would agree. Yeah, and I, and I said it's because like if a gun show in a gun store had a certain Milserp way higher chance that it's a lower price at the gun store because if it's a great deal at a gun show other vendors are buying that up and flipping well, it or yeah, taking it home or whatever i think the other thing is is that it's there's more of a chance i would say that the person at the store doesn't know exactly what they have oh yeah yep yep that's another one that's another good one yep is yeah a lot of gun shop owners you know i don't know what it is i think at this point it's you could chalk it up to just like I don't know laziness that that they don't know you know because um, everything's out there it's all on the internet now it's lack of video or something Google. yeah like it's not that hard to find out but there's yeah there's a lot of guys that just kind of yeah straight up refuse to yeah even Google or whatever they just don't want to they don't want to be bothered which I mean yeah. hey those those guys if they don't want to be bothered and their price is low. You know, that's that's on them, which, oh, here's here's a good point. Here's a good here's, this is sort of a moral question. I don't know if we've talked about this. Before. I already know what your question is. It's hilarious because oh. I was going to ask it. Go ahead. Oh, really? What? OK, well, you know, you ask first. If you see a deal that's screaming good, do you give more money than what it's worth? Uh, yep, that's it. Yep, that's exactly what I was going to say, man. Yeah. Mm. No, nope. because I had I had this discussion with with a friend of mine and his he said that for him personally, he would inform the person that it's worth more, like screaming good deal. He would inform the person that, hey, this is worth more than you think. Uh, I think it's worth around this, but I'm willing to pay you this, which is higher than your asking price. Will you accept it? Is what, is what he'll typically do. So like if there's a gun, and this, no shit, this happened in Tallahassee. The guy had an SVT-40. He labeled it as SKS, and he wanted $200 for it, right? So at that point, do you walk up to this guy and say, hey, look, this is not an SKS. Uh, this is an SVT. Uh, at the time, it was probably worth a grand or 1500 or whatever. Like, hey, this is worth 1000 bucks. It's not worth $200. Uh, I don't have $1,000, but I will pay you, you know, 400 or $500 for this. Would you take that? And then, you know, if the person accepted, you know, cool. If, you know, you still got a good deal and the guy didn't get completely ripped off, and if not, the guy can raise his price and not and not screw himself out of it. 
Um, that's what he did. Um, I have never been that good of a guy before. I don't think my moral compass is that far, points that far north. Does that thing work? Yeah. What do you guys think of that? What would you do? I'm not running into that scenario. I, I just would, hand it over. I would pay their money. Yeah. I just hand over the cash. If it's this is the way it is, I typically always haggle, always ask for a cash price, always ask for their lowest price. But if it's a screaming good deal, I just hand over the cash. I don't haggle. I would have to is say, I, if it's going to be a situation where I'll probably never see the person again, I'd probably just take it. But if it's going to be a situation where, like, it's a store that you'd frequent, there's a chance they might figure out that, oh, yeah, they, they fucked you over. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, are you fucking them over if, like, they put it up for sale? It and doesn't matter if price. you are. They're going to think that. Well, yeah. I mean, if they think that, probably kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's a there's a there's a morality. There's a that's like a a weird Milserp moral question. I know that if it was me and they and I said, oh, just so you know, this is a whatever, and it's actually worth a grand. They're gonna say, I feel like they're gonna be like, well, give me a thousand dollars for it. Like, yeah, no, and if and if they do know. that, they're pretty enormous douchebags if they mm-hmm. do that. Um, and you're yeah, you'd be screwing yourself out of a deal, which is why I've never done it. Mm-hmm. I don't want. I don't want the chance of losing losing the deal, you know. It's just straight up. Uh yeah, yeah. My good old friend out of uh, Florida. That was his. That was his motto. But man, yeah. The the guy. Uh, yeah, I couldn't believe that he had an SVT forty. That he had it. He thought it was an SKS. So he just wanted two hundred dollars for it. I talked to the guy who bought that too recently, and he he reminded me of the story. It's like, yeah, man. I remember one of those things. I'm gonna always remember. Uh, let's see, what else would it go through here? Higher transfer. More driving to see the same number of vendors and or guns at gun stores. So, you know, driving around, say if you live in a city, not everybody, you know, lives in, like lives in a city or whatever, but say if you do live in a city, um, if you wanted to, I mean, even worse, if you lived in the rural area, if you wanted to see a bunch of stores, you got quite a bit of driving. You got like a whole, you know, maybe a whole day's worth of driving going around, you know, stopping in at each, you know, each store pounding the pavement, trying to find it. You got a lot more driving. You could probably get a lot more time too. Yeah. To see the same amount of stuff going at gun stores. So, you know, maybe that's it. Maybe you have a higher chance of finding a low price at gun stores, but you're going to be doing a lot more driving. Be going around a lot more. It's going to take a lot more time than just going to a show. So, you do have to pay to get into gun shows. You know, it's funny. I that just doesn't even register with me at all. Like that, like the ten bucks to get into a gun show is just like ten it's, bucks. It's like twenty five here. Oh, what the f, dude? Yeah, what per, per person? Oh man, yeah, that's bonkers, dude. Um, yeah, so most that I've been to, they're around like ten bucks, and it's a weird thing. I've heard this when people complain about gun shows, they mention the fee quite a bit, but like. People are really weird with like what they're willing to spend money on and not. Like people would easily spend like twenty bucks to get their McDonald's delivered or whatever or you know, whatever food they're ordered delivered, you know, because they just don't want to like drive 10, 10, 15 minutes or whatever. But like going into a show and spending ten, fifteen bucks to go into like a big show, which like is like it's a it's amazing that gun shows even exist, first off. We just take them for granted. And the 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 getting the privilege to be able to go into a gun show, indeed, and it only cost you 
you know, cost thousands and thousands of dollars to, to have everything set up and you just pay 10 to $15 and you get to take part in it. To me, like that's, that's like a, that's like a bargain, you know? Um, somebody just messaged uh, or commented on my uh, gun show video recently about, you know, not taking it for granted um, because, you know, if you, uh, if you live in California, Oh yeah, let's see. I'll read. I'll read his video. Crime War says, uh, "Don't take it for granted. Most people in California don't go to gun shows since everything has been outlawed for us." Um, me talking about the Wanamaker show. Um, so that's a good point too. You know, maybe you just don't even have any shows. So yeah, but twenty five, dude. That's 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 oof. That's mm-hmm. oof level. It's gonna what cost. What was us Wanamaker? Food. Yeah, what, ten bucks. Wanamaker's ten dollars. Uh, probably from the size. That's what I was thinking. They're going to get more people trafficking, and so they lower the prices. I mean, a lot of the shows, if it's a tiny show in like a, an American Legion or something, it's like $5. Um, but like it's, it's 10 to $15 is like what most, most shows around here will, will charge. And, and Wanamaker is only 10 which is nuts. They could, they could charge $20, $25, you know, easily. For the for the amount of stuff that they have, it'd still be worth it, you know. I wonder what the show um, of shows is. I don't know. I have to ask Mac. I think I'm closest to go to that. Yeah, I forgot how long it is from from me. How long is have you have you mapped out show of shows from you, Aaron? You're I think you're much closer to Kentucky. Yeah, I'm. Uh, it's about an hour away, hour oh, and a half. Dude, oh, wow. you're way closer to me. Okay, never mind. Dude, what? Tell me, tell me you've never been there. I've never been. Oh my god. I went to Knob Creek, though. I mean, that's really cool. But show of shows, bro. You know how much man liquor stuff will be there? I don't know. One? Probably a lot. I would, I would, I would guess probably a lot, man. I'm I think it's like a toss-up. People, like, I think people go back and forth between, like, show of shows or Wanamaker being, like, the biggest, best show in, in the U.S. Um, I haven't been to show of shows, so I can't, I can't really weigh in on that. But We talked about this before, Danny, because we were saying you could come over... And we would go together. Yeah, we should meet there because it's like the midway point between us, just so you know. Let's see here. We're going to crash on your couch. Kentucky show. It's in Louisville. Yeah. It's six and a half hours from me. And it takes February 23rd. And it takes 14 hours to get to your house. So that means it's in between us. You mispronounce Louisville. I mispronounce a lot of words. Louisville. Okay, I'll stop that. Let's see. Yeah, driving through. So, like, it goes from Kansas City to there. It goes through Mount Vernon, Illinois. I know those words. So, if we're, if we're planning this, by the way, there's an awesome show in a or awesome store in a town that's another like hour and a half away from there. So, if you want to meet there next year, we can go to the show of shows, and then we can go to this amazing store that I'll send you the link to. Just let me know. Hmm. Okay. I'll take a weekend. Let me see yeah, dude, I took I took PTO two days to go to Wanamaker, man. I took the Friday and the Monday. Oh, off. sorry, I'm not that close. It's a four hour drive. Okay, well, that's better. That's like, less excuse. sad. Is is what? Yeah, you're less sad. Over two hours of driving is kind of a big deal. So, like, especially after three hour, four hour, four hours is I wouldn't do four hours for like for a regular show. I don't even know if it's possible with kids. But let me see when the next. Uh, it's February. 23rd. Yeah. February. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Because uh, Wanamaker's in April. Yeah. 
Oh uh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that's kind of rough though, because in February, dude, I could be, I could be real bad, bad weather. It's in the south. Uh, it's in Kentucky. Uh, Dude, you can south. still get uh, a lot of ice. Louisville is like the same like elevation as is Kansas City and like St. Louis. I bet they get I bet they get some snow. You get some snow, but mostly the issue is ice and slush. Yep. Let's see. Okay, maybe maybe we'll plan we'll plan something like that. Maybe we'll think maybe. about it. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I guess I guess I could talk about Wanamaker a little bit while we're talking about shows. Um, in yeah. case. I kind of figured um, you were going to, honestly. Yeah, I, I should have. Uh, just wants guess, to brag. It was, it was a humble brag from Danny. What, that I went to Wanamaker? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, oh no. Did, was this in the video where you're just walking past everybody to go inside? Yeah. Um, if I'm honest. <laughs> if I'm I saw honest, that, and I was like, what a douche. Yeah. He's just, like, cutting. Like... Yeah, no, so... I wasn't cutting because I cutting. had a dealer. I had a dealer pass. Oh, excuse me. I didn't have right. all those. All those plebs. I mean, just people that VIP were. Here. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, um, no. So like, that's the thing. Like, you you line up and you you have to buy a ticket to get in. But I bought my ticket on Friday because I had the dealers the dealers pass, and I paid extra. Paid forty five dollars for that dealers pass on Friday. Um, only got it because of Joel at Panzerfaust Armory. Um, but yeah, uh, it was a it was a weird feeling. I could tell some people. I didn't know if people were looking at me like, "What the hell is this dude doing cutting?" Or if they were looking because I was recording, you know, because I was holding my phone out, you know. So I didn't know what, what they were. This douchebag doing. At. Yeah, I probably give off the DB vibe. I'm drinking whiskey, by the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, people, people were asking, right? Yeah, people were saying okay. that we need more podcasts and whiskey. Broke they out also... the Suntory. Somebody also said we should probably get guests that have better than dial-up uh, for their internet. Oh, I wonder who they were talking about. I don't know. We've had issues in the past. Oh, Mar- I bet it was Mark. Marky Mark. Because he's, he's on the moon. Yeah. Almost yeah. Canada. Yeah, I, for- I forgot about yeah has how, how bad his internet is up there. Um, but yeah, Wanamaker was... Um, I'll tell you guys some of the stories. I don't know if you watched the videos, but yeah, the, the G43 fiasco was a big one. Like everybody's been talking about that since then because, you know, somebody's liquidating a collection of 30 G43s. And I think the prices were $2,800 a pop. Uh, and most of them had scopes. So that's just, that's just one of those damn good deals, you know, kind of thing. Miss the repro mounts though, but original scopes, um, so damn those got those got bought up. I saw quite a few that were flipped, you know, that people flipped and put on their tables um, for quite a bit more. And that's that's yeah, that was that was a lot of the show. Um, uh, pre, I'm not gonna say, I'm not gonna say the website. Uh, but there was a website guy um, that was going around and buying up anything that was like a relatively good deal, like something that like a vent, like somebody had a cool milsurp on their table. Like something a little bit uncommon, or maybe even uncommon or rare, and they were asking retail for it. He was just going around and just slapping down retail money and buying everything, and he's just gonna put it on a site and ask more. Um, so those guys doing that kind of stuff, man. Uh, what one of the vendors bought up a couple Johnson rifles that were like going for what I think like Johnson should go for, and then like he bought them for like six k a piece, and then put them on his table for nine k a piece, which is like okay, you're gonna be be sitting on those for a minute, dude. But uh, 
that's that was a lot of the kind of stuff. But there were good deals. I heard from a lot of people commenting on that video that like there were good deals to be had. Um, there's a couple things like I got that I got I got decent prices on. But yeah, I said two. There's like two tables. What I meant was there's two like vendors at the show that had uh, good deals. Um, and then actually I said that and then I thought about it later on. I'm like, shit, there's actually, there's more than two, just, just two vendors. There's like five when I thought about it, which Three. isn't like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think there's, there's like five vendors there who had like, you know, decent stuff. Um, but man, like if you had, if you had like retail, if your stuff was priced retail, like what it was worth, uh, that was like, that was the rare table there. Um, people were just asking a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money. But everything I bought there, like I, I negotiated for, you know, I had the cash and just, money talks. Yeah, yeah, money talks at gun shows, man. Especially that's like my number one advice for everybody doing doing shows. You know, you bring cash. You know, don't expect to pay credit cards. That's annoying, man. That's annoying. As like as a vendor who's set up at gun shows and sold stuff, you'll like negotiate, set a price, cool. They'll hand you a credit card. You're like, nope, nope. Thanks for wasting our time, though. I had a, I had a lot of people. Say that, like, oh, I'll go get the cash and come back. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah, I know I'm not going to see you again. Bye. Yeah. Um, that kind of stuff happens. But yeah, Wanamaker is gigantic. Wanamaker in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Wanamaker, it's, it looks weird. It's like, I bet it's, I bet it, the guy's like comes from a family of German immigrants or whatever, but because the name is like Vanenmacher, Macher or something, you know, it's, it's spelled like it's a very German looking name, but it's pronounced Wanamaker. Um, and I saw I saw old, uh, Joe there in 2019. Joe um, Mama? <laughs> no, I no, but I did I did see D's there. D's? Who's D's? D's nuts. D's nuts. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, but I saw yeah Joe Wanamaker there, and uh, he's uh, he's getting up there in age. So I hope he I hope he stays healthy and stays around for a while. Because some of these shows, man, like some things, they only exist. Because like the original guy is there that does it, you know, like like collector grade publications, you know. Um, so I hope he hope he stays kicking around for a while, stays healthy because it's a good show, you know. Not too many good shows like that that exist, you know. There's only like a handful of them. Um, yeah. Oh, I got. Uh, did you hear? I got some trivia. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I was waiting for that. Okay. You you guys ready for it? Mm-hmm. Some terrible Probably trivia. Not. Trademark. Tri- terrible trivia. Because this is going to be terrible. I know I'm going to make mistakes and stuff with this. But hopefully it's less terrible as last time. Um, we had Tom. Tom would do a very good job at this. But um, Okay. First question. Aaron, I'm looking at you with this one. All right. The Siamese Mauser's iconic dust cover design came from which Japanese military rifle? Type 30. That is wrong. Fuck. I always get it wrong. Yeah. Because Japanese nomenclature or whatever. No, it's not. There's two of them, and I always get picked the wrong one. I mean, there's they got a few. No, I, it's not the it's it's not the uh, 38s. It's the ones before them. That's I know. There's it's not the 38. It's the one before them. It's the 35. Okay, Is that right. Did you did you Google that? No. Okay. Because I didn't know what it was, and he said it's a 38, and I'm like, it's not the 30. And it's not, not a 38. 38. There's one in the middle. It's a 35. Yeah, I always forget. So no, I yeah. didn't Google that. But he needed <laughs> yes. to say what he did, or I wouldn't have got it. Because ah. the the 38s have moving dust covers, and I don't. The 30s, the 30 didn't. The 30 had nothing, right? 
Yeah, yeah, it was a hook safety gun. It didn't have one. Right. So the 30 had nothing. The 35 had the me mechanical. Yeah, the like manual one. The manual. And then the, uh, and the 38 one. got the automatic, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep, yep. I always forget nice. it's the 35 because that one wasn't really a thing. It didn't. It was like a prototype, right? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, they exist. I've seen uh, a it's few. It's not like a like, prototype. I guess them. it was just like a intermediate. Super short-lived. Yeah. It's, like it's kind of like the... the uh, Commission rifle it was around for a minute, and then it was gone. Commission rifles were around for a lot longer than three years, but yeah, I'd love a type. I'd love a type thirty-five. A better example would be the seventy-one eighty-four. It was only around for four years, and then it was gone. Yeah, I wish thirty-fives were around in seventy-one eighty-four numbers. Yeah, because I think the aren't seventy-ones a lot harder to find than seventy-one eighty-fours. In my experience, yes, because yeah. I have a beautiful 7184, and I've only ever seen a couple 71s. I'm pretty yeah. sure they, they sold off most of their 71s, didn't they? Mm -hmm. the, Probably, I'm not sure. Because everybody always assumes the 7184 is like an upgrade, but it's not like they're not, not related. No, they just have the same parent design, so to speak, which is the 71. But they're not upgraded, they're, they're a separate rifle. But it makes sense if you're going to have an improvement of the original design and is a separate rifle, then yeah, you would just throw or th get rid of the other ones. Yeah. Not throw away necessarily, but you get what I'm saying. The, yeah. They would surplus them. To Chile. And China. China. Oh, that's where they all ended up. Yeah. China. China. Yep. Chi Chi Man, that was a more relevant when he was president still. Here we go, next question. Which country was the first to adopt the Craig Jorgensen rifle. The Craig? Yeah. Denmark. Uh, Sweden. It was Denmark. Frick. Oh, wait. Sweden wasn't an independent, was it? So, uh, Sweden. You're thinking of Norway. The... Yeah, Damn Sweden it. had the Jarman, and then they went to the... I'm uh, thinking uh, of Norway, Yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sweden got Norway in the Napoleonic War, and then... Yeah, in like the early 1900s, Norway kind of like got their got their independence. Um, but yeah, Norway was semi-independent at the time, which is why they they adopted the Krag instead of the the Mauser. But they had an agreement to use the same cartridge. All righty, here's the next one. All right, name the four auto pistols that were either developed, adopted, and or at least named after the year 1935. Oh, I, it's pistols, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, name the four auto pistols that were developed, adopted. There's the French one named that, after the year that didn't have any ammo for a long time. The 1935 S. Huh? That's one. 1935 A is the other one. That is correct. The high power. That is also correct. You're gonna kick yourself for this one if you don't get it, Jared. I don't, I don't know. Oh, it's it's the Radom, uh, Radom, the Viz 35. Yep. I have one. I love mine. I'm glad. I hope it actually works. You know, I, I, I realized afterwards when my I, I shot my Viz 35 and it jammed a bunch. I was shooting 147 grain flat-nosed. They don't like that. Maybe. I don't know. But I did shoot it through Joel's, and Joel's radum just ate it all up. What Viz, was the Viz one that puked apart when you shot it the first time? Wait, on that day? In that video? No, there was one that you took out to the desert and lost something. Oh, the, that was the, the Dryzy? Yeah. Maybe I'm thinking of a different one. Yeah. Oh, man, that sucked. I have one of them, too. Oh, I thought I paid 80 bucks for a replacement for another Dryzy mag, 
at a gun show, the fucking thing doesn't work. <laughs> doesn't fit. The, yeah, I know. I'm like, shit, it doesn't fit the dry Z and it doesn't fit. Uh, so I'm like, the 1900 looks just like it. Doesn't fit in the 1900 either. Because I figured it'll be one or the other at least, right? And it's and 1900 mags are worth 80 bucks. So I was like, okay, either way, it'll work. Doesn't fit either one. So I don't know what the hell it goes for. And not, there's not a like a whole lot of pistols that use that lockup. It's like, shit, it's probably some random Chinese mag or something. Or I don't, I don't know. But I'm still, I'm still on the hunt for an original dry Z mag that doesn't cost an arm and a leg. Uh, sorry. If you yeah. see two, get get two because I don't think mine's original. But I only paid one ninety nine for the gun. So on Gun Broker, I was the only bid. Yeah. Oh, I know a guy who has one. I need to. Re- I think I can meet up with him tomorrow and get one. Because I said this to mo- to a friend of mine, and he was like, "Oh, I have an extra one." It's like, oh, okay. An extra mag. Yeah, mm. yeah. He's been a collector for a while. He's got some like random stuff. Mm. Uh, Alrighty. Well, we guess Next more. question: Which country put ballistic information on the stocks of their military rifles? You're gonna softball something like that? Yeah, come yeah, on. yeah. Even I know this crap. <laughs> you should have maybe. Maybe that. Yeah, I didn't put these in level of hardness. I probably should have. Level of hardness. Yeah, maybe some. Maybe some viewers. Giggity, maybe some viewers would have. Uh, you know, think about this. See if they get it right. That is very softball. I'm not even gonna let you guys answer that because I know you already know it. <laughs> what bolt action rifle was? <laughs> this is gonna keep going. All right, cool. I only have two more. What bolt action? I had like three months to come up with questions, man. It's been a while since the last one. What bolt action rifle was designed after World War II and marketed to countries that could not afford automatic rifles? I know this. Do you know it, Aaron? Uh, repeat the question, please. What bolt-action rifle was designed after World War II and marketed to countries that could not afford automatic rifles? If it helps, uh, this gun had rear locking lugs. Uh, yeah, I know what it is, but I don't know the model name. M47. Damn it, it's Madsen. Yep. Correct. Correct, Amundo. Where did most of them go, Danny? China. Colombia. 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 I don't know. I don't know what accent that was supposed to be. I don't know either. I'm very tired and just full of life. Yeah, let me finish this whiskey in my glass, and we'll get to the next one. Uh, what is the smallest 7.65 millimeter pistol used by the German military during World War One? Well, obviously, it's the the little tiny pin thing that's like in uh, <laughs> from Battlefield One. <laughs> Well, see, that's that's not a seven six five pistol. Oh wait, did I didn't hear what you said? Then I guess seven, it's, it's got to be seven six five millimeter. Oh damn, there's like forty of those. Mm-hmm. The last question, man. So Bergman, Bayard, um, I don't know the model. They call it. The, it's, it's Bayard on the grip. Are them in seven six five? I know you can imagine it, but you have to say it. Yeah, they made them in. They made them in. Uh, 7.65 and uh, 380 auto. Talk about boring. Is it a 1908? Yep. Hey. The Bayard, often called the Bayard Piper, 1908. Piper. Yeah. Oh, Piper. I've heard that name before. I was thinking it was a. Yeah, Piper is the last name of one of the guys that founded FN, I believe. That was said with confidence. I'd try not to say anything with confidence. I've been wrong way too much. 
I couldn't remember if that was in 25 ACP or 32 ACP. It's 32. The thing looks like, dude, I got one now. And uh, the thing looks like a 25 pocket pistol. Like, it looks like a small 25 pocket pistol. Like a baby browning. Yeah, it, it's like baby browning size, but it's in 32. And they also made the exact same gun in 380 within the same size. Which is nuts. Yeah. That's got to be one of the smallest 380s. Maybe maybe not the smallest 380 ever made, because I think that was some random commercial gun or whatever. But like, of the time, that thing was tiny. But it was made, yeah, it was made in uh, Belgium. What is, uh, trivia, what is the German, uh, oh, shoot, like pronunciation uh, of 380? Trivia, you're supposed to know. No, I don't know, I don't know the exact word to say. Oh, it was 9mm Kurtz. Kurtz, is what they yeah. called it, yeah. Because um, I actually have brass that says 9 Kurtz on it. Yeah, that's the, that's the good, that's the good, good. But, uh, um, yeah, anywho, the, the Baird 1908 is, is absolutely tiny. Um, I can only get my middle finger on the grip of the gun. So, like, you have, like, your, you know, typically you have, like, you know, your three fingers on the grip. But, like, dude, I can just, my, like, ring finger hangs off the grip. That's how tiny it is. It's so, like, it's only my middle finger on the grip, like, finger on the trigger, you know, thumb wrapped around the back. And it's like there's only two two fingers holding on to this little thing. It's what's nuts. The, what's the mag capacity? Five, I think. Five. Wow, that's a lot. That's like small. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's it's very very tiny. Um, and uh, it's got the same barrel spring orientation as the 1900, so it's barrel on bottom. So that kind of helps with recoil, like a super low bore axis. Um, yeah, and they were they they were in Belgium. They were made in Belgium, and the Germans took them over in World War One, and that's that's one of the rare like occurrences of in, during World War One at least of the Germans like of a German occupation gun of a gun made under under occupation of the Germans during World War One. Um, like in, that happened to, you know a ton in World War Two, but like in World War One, it didn't happen super often. Uh, and the one I got's an occupation gun. It has a little like Prussian eagles on the on the slide and the and the frame. Um, which is pretty neat. That was the number one reason why I bought it. I was like, "Oh, it's German. Cool, I'll take that." Yeah. Um, but yeah, I oh, I also have a bayonet made by Bayard, and it's got the same, you know, like uh, guy on the horse logo. Mm-hmm. It's got it's got the same guy on the horse logo on a uh, on the bayonet. It's a it's a eighty four ninety eight bayonet made for the Germans during World War One, which is like it was like pretty neat. It's made by the same like company that made the pistol. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I was I was pretty happy to find it when I had it. I need to do a video, man. I, I had a I had a guy. He's been asking for like years, coming on my videos for years, asking for a German bayonet video. Oh yeah. And uh, I'm not that that big into bayonets, so like I've never been motivated to mm-hmm. like make the video. And also like I don't know how many people that watch and want to do it. Like if I get a ton of people asking for it, you know, then I'll then I'll be more likely to do something but i feel like just this guy's commitment uh you know perseverance for asking for years i, I feel like i need to I need to do it for him but maybe if i get some other people that want it to to see it i'll do it. i'll do a video on german german bayonets um there's one german guy on youtube who's making some pretty good quality and you know informational videos on german bayonets but he he stopped he'd like life yeah. got in the way or something he went to he went to university and he stopped making them but yeah, I, I used to watch that guy. He had a bunch of cool stuff. Um, yeah, Imperial German bayonets. I think so. Yeah, I had a yeah. channel name something like that. 
Yeah, I'm still subscribed to him. He hasn't made a video in a year. Mm, yeah. but they were really good. They're only like five minutes long a piece, but he really yeah. he really covers stuff. Yeah, which like when you're talking about a band, that's kind of all you need. Yeah, you know, it's five minutes to talk about them. But I wonder if they need a license or anything over there. A license to ill word. He has 28 videos, and yes, I just counted. <laughs> yeah, I actually I reached out to him. I was wondering if you want to do like a little like collab on something and he just said basically he was starting starting school and mm. starting college and he was gonna be too busy so yeah he just fell off man r.i.p another channel i mean hopefully he comes back but if not r.i.p another another decent channel yeah uh huh i mean i guess we covered pretty much the the topic gun stores versus gun shows unless you have something that uh, you wanted to talk about specifically, Aaron, because I don't think we heard a lot lot from you. <clears throat> yeah, unfortunately, I just coughed in the mic. Sweet. Um, the oh, uh, I, it's probably had not been. It's been a little while since we have done one of these. Um, has have you guys bought anything? Oh yeah, yeah, we haven't done that in a while. Uh, I had to buy a roof, so I've unable. I, I've been unable to buy. Danny's things that he doesn't care about anymore. Oh yeah, I've been hitting Jared up with stuff. <laughs> hey man, it's been really you painful this before me. I sell it. <laughs> hey Danny, how about the M95? I've got all this cool shit. Do you want it? Yeah. Can you buy it now? No. <laughs> Just saying, Danny. Yeah. Make it happen. Oh yeah, I did. I did buy an M95 Longboy. No, no, no. You have one that I want. An M95 Longboy. You better still have it. To the uh, one you sold me? No, never mind. Not, not, not an M95. M91. M91. Yeah, I bought that. Oh yeah, with it's got the JSC on it. Yeah, it's in my safe. You, I will kill you both. <laughs> <laughs> no, he specifically said this is the one that Aaron wants, but I did buy an M91 yeah. from him. Dude, if I ever found a nicer World War One Mosin example or whatever, like I would, yeah, I would. You would, you if you ever found a German one, you would sell it. Oh, yep, exactly. That's oh, that's yeah. what I would do. That's about, yep. If I found, yeah, a, yeah, nice. Because I German talked you into the one. JSE one because the other one that you found was a German one, but it was Finnish as well. Yeah, which th- that's not a big turnoff to me. Like that, that's that's kind of whatever. But, um, but, yeah. But you also knew one. you were like. This is a guaranteed seller item. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I figured it was it was something semi special. It's very hard to find a a capture Mosin that is not um uh finish as well. Yeah, you know it's funny. I forget I have that thing like all the time. I was just talking to somebody who's big into Mosins, and I just told him the only Mosin that I have was a Fen the M M thirty nine. I just completely forgot I had that. M91, yeah. Um, An Imperial M91? I don't remember who's the maker. I think it's Tula. It's like 1908, uh, okay. I think. 1908 Tula, something like that. Yeah. Other than that, I don't think it's like super special. Just that little tiny JSE mark. I wonder how much stuff like that is, you know, slipped through the, slipped through the or, cracks. Or, or the through. stuff that, that uh, Gage just bought. Remember that thing? Mm-mm. What do you he mean? He bought the... He has the... Uh, the Mosin that's been converted to eight by fifty R. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's man. Gage's stuff. Gage has got some cool shit. For those that don't know, the Austria-Hungarian, Austro-Hungarian Empire very, very briefly 
toyed with the idea of converting Mosins to 8x50R because they were so short on weapons. And eventually they just said, fuck it. <laughs> and and issued uh, the Mosins as is because you can chamber 8x50R in it. It just is not very accurate. Yeah. That is that's a pretty that's a pretty cool gun. Like that's the kind of stuff that I'm into is captured and converted stuff like that. Like yeah. uh Chris Chris just bought it. It came up on Simpsons. I saw it. It sold friggin' fast, but it was a uh, a Belgian uh 1889 Mauser that was converted to 8 millimeter Mauser mm-hmm. by the Germans. Yeah. That's that's neat. Like I I don't really super want like a Belgian Mauser, but like that's one that I would own. You know, cuz that extra little history Some and conversion weird and stuff, stuff is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And it was a day. It was a really good price too. Um, so, man, that, that's one of those. That's one of those sites that like stuff just. It's weird. Stuff will sell just super fast what on is it? like under price. Uh, actually, I said Simpson, but it was Liberty Tree. Actually, now that I think about it. Uh, well, I mean, Simpsons does it too. Yeah, they both yeah. do. Yeah, Simpson does. But the, man, Simpson's been big time Swiss seller as of late. Man, like. Seems like at least half the stuff they're putting out is like K31s and K11s. They must have had a big. Like uh, well, they do imports, so I'm sure they probably had a good deal or something. Yeah, they're very tasteful on how they import Mark stuff. Yeah, that's what uh, Mike told us, right, Danny? Oh yeah, for his for his one stuff gun. Out yeah. of, um, I don't know how they do their stuff though. I've never I've never seen one. I think he also, said he he put it underneath the wood line. Yeah, but I don't know if that's like a special thing or if they do that for all like their their K31s or whatever. My 1908 uh, Swedish pistol is really nicely done. It's like by the magwell, so you can't see it. It's on the bottom. It's really tasteful. Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, uh, recent purchases, I've been getting into high powers as of late, so that's been just kind of stuff that I've been going after. Um, I think the LaBelle is the last thing that I bought. Yeah, you've been on a... You've been real responsible as of late i did buy something that was um discovered from one of our members in the discord yeah you know about this danny i bought a bayonet i bought two bayonets but the specific bayonet is a very uncommon one i'm i'm drawing a blank i don't remember this it is an mp34 bayonet oh neat Oh, okay. Okay. They look just like an M95 bayonet, but they're slightly different uh, in terms of um, uh, they have a different maker mark on them. Huh. That's interesting. An M95 or an M M34 uh, parts gun popped up recently. That uh, that was pretty. That was pretty tempting. Are those the Solothurn ones? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just checking. I uh, yeah, I saw a, a friend uh, a friend on the Discord uh, messaged me and he's like, "Hey, there's these bayonets, and this looks like an M95 bayonet." And I'm like, "Yeah, it does look like one, but I've never seen that maker mark before." So we looked it up, and I was like, "Oh no, that's an MP34 bayonet." And it was like, "Yeah, I'll buy it." I think it was a hundred bucks. Yeah. That's probably a good deal. I saw a guy who had a 34 and he was looking for a bayonet for a long time. Yeah, um, I thought it was a. It was something. I'm like, I'm not going to see one of these again. I'm yeah, not even a bayonet. Have to do that. I'm not a bayonet guy, and I'm like, 
yeah, I'm not going to see one of these again. Buy it. And then um, I also got Sam a bayonet on that same deal. There was a, I think it's a Spanish bayonet, Spanish Mauser bayonet. But the yeah. the, the reason he liked it a lot was because the scabbard wasn't uh, chewed up because they're leather, and yeah. it wasn't like coming apart. Yeah, leather scabbard ones are. They're very iffy. Yeah, well, he said he's never seen a, a the pictures I sent him after I got it too. Is like he's never seen one that's not like busting apart or just missing pieces. And this one was actually in pretty good shape. It's still dry. It needs to be probably um, uh, I don't know what's that term wet. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that doesn't sound like the right term. Needs leather dressing. Yeah, there you go. But like it, it, it's dry, but it's not coming apart, which is actually surprising. Oh, and then I do have an update for some everybody as well. Um, I've got word back from RCC Brass, and my my Lee Navy Brass should be made this month. Oh, I was actually wondering about that myself. So glad you said it. That's, that's some fast turnaround time there. What is that? Uh, ten, ten months. Ten months. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Uh, well. What did they say to expect? What was that email? The automated email or whatever when you ordered. So when I ordered, it was right before the massive winter storm that just destroyed most of Texas, <laughs> most of East Texas, I should say. Um, and they're in that area, so. It was literally my order was placed on the first of March, um, and at like right after that, like they lost power. They uh, and then when they came back, they couldn't get material because everybody was scrambling to find metal and stuff like that, so they couldn't get brass. And then uh, uh, they got brass delivered, and it was the wrong thickness, so they had to send it back. And when they got it back after being retreated, uh, it was still wrong, and they could only use it to produce uh, 22 caliber uh, rounds. So uh, he, he, they were backed up, just crazily backed up for anything above 22s, uh, or like 223. And uh, they, they were really... Um, I, I don't remember the cartridge. It was some hunting cartridge that's very popular right now. 243? That doesn't sound right. It is. Is that really popular right now? Yeah. They said that they were getting tons of orders for 243, um, uh, and it was really backing them up. But the lead time when I placed the order was 90 days, and it's been 10 months. Good thing you didn't have a... Lee Navy emergency. <laughs> I need need six millimeter stat. Yeah, that's nuts though. It does sound like it's out of their out of their hands, but uh, still probably sucks. yeah. It's probably at least you're like locked in with your price, right? Like they still yeah, have to yeah. do it or whatever. They can't they can't they, up they've you. Not, so. They've not changed anything. That's a that's a good thing with inflation or whatever. You got a discount, <laughs> kind of. And I, I'm, I'm, it's probably I wouldn't be shocked if their prices do go up because of the amount of of change in price of uh, raw material. No, yeah, that's true. The raw material market's crazy right now. From in manufacturing that I'm in, it's it's nuts. Yeah, we're in the middle of the everything bubble, man. 
If you knew how to drive a truck and you wanted to do it, you could make as much money as you ever wanted right now. Yeah, yeah. There's quite a few, quite a few positions like that. I got me one of them CDLs. Oh yeah, is that the one you gotta get the yearly physical for? Yeah, it's every two years. Well, I guess it depends. If you have a health condition, it's every year. But if you're not unhealthy, it's every two. I just had mine like a month ago. Hmm. Well, that's yeah, that's, that's something, man. Should be. Should be trucking, especially during the holidays. I bet, man. I've been trying to buy all my Christmas gifts like way ahead of time, because I'm I'm assuming there's going to be crazy. Oh, it did go up. Delivery stuff. Danny, it, oh, did, it did go up. So oh, what is I it paid, now? I paid five thirty eight a case, right? It's now five eighty five. Ah, nice. I thought it would go up. <laughs> yeah, hopefully they. Yeah. Hopefully they actually go through it. and They don't like issue you a refund or something and. Because at some point yeah. their margins get pretty get pretty tight. I'm gonna tell you that's a that's a thirty dollar increase. Yeah, it was a minimum order, wasn't it? Yeah, you have to do a minimum order of fifty, which for my Lee Navy that's more than I'll ever shoot in its entire lifetime. That I'll own it probably. If you can find primers and powder right now, I already have that. Nice. That's honestly the main reason I'm going to the gun show tomorrow. Just need brass. People are still asking crazy prices for primers and shit, man. You can't Just need brass, and then we'll blow up Elite Navy on camera. There we go. Tell you what, Danny, you'd never get more views in a video. Oh, yeah, that's true, man. Yeah, we'd go we'd go viral. Idiots. YouTube pay, idiots. Blow up Elite Navy. Pay for my reconstructive face surgery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Priceless rifle destroyed. I'm telling Piece you, of man, history. I'm telling you, so many people are like, why are you doing this? Because they're not fun if you can't shoot them. Yeah. I have rifles that I can't shoot, and it's not fun. That's why I sold them. I yeah, bought my how M95s. Kind of how I feel about my Danish Krag. Kind of remembering why I sold my last one. Because it does just kind of sit there. Do you need ammo now? It's cool looking. I mean, it's not like I would shoot it tomorrow if I need, you know, needed ammo, but... You still haven't done the controllable carbines for all the brass I had to make you. Yeah, yeah, I still have that. I have to film. Man, I was just thinking about it. I haven't, I haven't shot a gun since, uh, like, May. I think it was May. Oh, that's less, more, that's, that's less than me. It's, it's been like a year and a half for me. Yeah, dry shot spell. <laughs> Rub it in our faces, why don't you? It was the first time in a while, too, so... Yeah. I went to my friend's range and we shot... Yeah, I need to. Um, hopefully, so maybe I, I talked to a guy, uh, Millsert Mike. He's got a Millsert Mike channel, uh, who just bought some land here close to me. And he was talking about converting some of it to a shooting range, um, like after hunting season, because he doesn't want to scare off all the all the critters. So um, after, yeah, after this uh, season, I'm hoping we can we can get something set up. I have like this dream, and I talked to him a little bit about it. Without like overwhelming them, but I'm like, dude, we got to get like some like a bolt action shooting competition thing, and like, you know, shoot targets, you know, and 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 time it and whatever, and kind of compare, and because that's like I've been wanting to do that forever. So, I just got sent something about that. Uh, a friend of mine, the guy that went to the range with, he, or to his house where he has a range, military shoots twice a year. This place holds a classic st- military style shooting event. Uh, our military shoot takes you along a course through our wooded property, the 10 shooting stations, which utilize three shooting positions and a variety of targets. Firearms are open 
to any pre-1950 bolt-action open-sight military rifle. I bet they said pre-1950 just for the Madsen M47. What military rifle was made post-1950 that's a bolt-action? <laughs> Are you ready? Well, I mean any sniper rifle, but... Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a sniper rifle, but it's a bolt-action rifle. Yeah, yeah. The M958. Mm. Oh, yeah, the Brazilian? Yeah. The Brazilian M- Muscafal. It's a... It's a Brazilian 1908, Danny? Yep, which is a Brazilian FR-8. Oh, yeah, I guess the FR-7 and FR-8 ain't allowed to that post-1950. Oh, yeah, I guess not either. Yeah, those are post-1950. If you you Google Brazilian M958 because you don't know what you're talking about, you get bikinis. (laughs) Oh. Are you sure it's an M958? I don't believe you, sir. I am going to have to Google this. I will see. screenshot this. Oh, it's not my, maybe it's 968. I, I want to see it, so I'm not like... M958 glasses came up for it's me. It's M968. 68, okay. That's fine. Okay. I know what those are. So it's actually a, 1968. Yeah. There's, there's a performance tool that came up for me from Amazon. And then the next thing is the yeah M Muscaton. Huh. So it's, yeah, uh, uh, we got different targeted ads, bro. <laughs> Somebody well, <laughs> Google's the Google's directing you towards something else. For me, it's ladies bikini thing, and then below it is uh, Ian, and then a bayonet. But dude, I have no bikinis on here. I just googled M nine six eight and. Oh, I did Brazilian M. Oh, uh, okay. Here, let me try. Okay. Brazilian M nine five eight. Oh, M nine five eight. Okay, Brazilian M nine six eight. Let's see. Okay, it's the actual gun now. M nine five eight. And there we go. There it is. Yep. See. Yep. So suck it. I would like to have oh, one dude. of these. They're neat looking. Yeah, it actually was neat looking. The right. bikini. Yeah, and yeah. the gun. <laughs> I mean, it's basically a Brazilian FR eight. If we're gonna like, it's it's a similar idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I thought of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael called it a Brazilian FR FR8, which I was like, that is kind of exactly what it is, actually. Huh? I wonder which one came first. Yeah, I don't know. I got a Brazilian 1908 34. Uh, I, I was betting the FR8s and FR7s on. came first because this is 1968 when they did this. Oh, that's really late. Yeah, this is one of the last bolt action rifles ever made for the if military. If I wasn't Brazil, I'd be like, "Whoa, that's crazy." But yeah, no, Brazil, they're still issuing like there's a picture of like police fighting in the favelas um with, the with like Yeah, with the Madsen. That's some like a bunch of like they they pull out some old shit out of the armory and they issue those guys to Yeah. Yeah, the police still use the M968s, which is why you haven't seen them very much in the in the market. That's why. But why, though? I don't, yeah. I don't know, man. There needs to be a Brazilian Mauser book. Like, I don't know why that doesn't There's exist. so like, many versions. Yeah. It would be helpful. There's there's an Argentine Mauser book. There's a Chilean Mauser book. Like, there needs to be a Brazilian one. Like, that's another big one. There's lots of, there are lots of you know, different types of Mausers and versions and makes... Like, even just within, like, 1908-34s, there's a lot of different types of those, because there's the, the domestically made ones, and then there's the CZ-made ones. Um, so, like, there's there should be a book. Somebody should have done that. But that's one of those things. you got to find somebody who's got, like, 
there's like a perfect storm of stuff that has to come together for like a book to be made. You have to have a, like a guy who's like smart enough to write a book, you know, to like formula, like put one together. And he also has enough have a, has to have enough money to to buy, you know, all the guns and everything to put in the book. And then uh, have enough, like have the passion and the time and everything to like research and find out all the, you know, all the information and reach out and whatever. You know, however these guys, you know, find find the info they put in the book. And it's um it's just not it's not super super common, you know. Yeah, and he has to speak Portuguese. Yeah, that's just true, yeah. And then yeah, having a being able to speak that that language um helps helps quite a bit. Um You know, it's interesting I saw what I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say at Wanamaker I saw Darren Weaver again. Um he was there in twenty nineteen when I was there. And uh unfortunately I bought I just bought his, he, he did a book on German plastics, like the German plastic, like the, the big light parts and everything that they made during World War II, um, which is like such a little niche topic. And I, uh, I just started getting, getting interested in German plastics. So I, so I bought his book, but then at the gun show, he had that book for sale and I was like, shit, I should have like, I should buy it from him and then get him to buy to sign it, you know, cause he'll, he'll sign whatever, whatever books, but I asked him a question about a because uh, he wrote the book Desperate Measures, which is about like German last ditch quotations. Uh, it's about German, you know, last ditch weapons. And uh, he, I asked him a question about a VK ninety eight that was at the show, and I was like, "Hey, like, did you take a look at this? Do you know anything of it?" And um, and he was starting to give me some information, and he kind of he kind of stopped, and he said something like, "Oh shit!" Like he's like, "I I need my book, like to to tell you," but which I thought was like interesting, you know, like even. Like you know, authors and everything are just human too. Like you know, they can't they can't remember everything because that reminded me kind of like with uh with like what Othaya said about remembering stuff from from the videos. Like I have to, I have to watch my video to. Anywho, what were you gonna say, Aaron? I was gonna say uh, so I was looking at the Mauser Model 1908 Brazilian on Wikipedia, and I was like, oh, let's see where it was used in service and stuff. And it says in the early 50s, surplus Brazilian 1908 rifles and short rifles were surplused to the Dominican Republic, where the mm-hmm. rifles were replaced with Dominican markings and designated the model 1953. And then it says, during the U.S. intervention in the Dominican Civil War, these Mauser rifles were found to be very effective. And it was like, wait, what? What the fuck? Dominican Civil War? U.S. intervention? Uh. So I went and looked it up. <clears throat> In 1965, in April of 1965, the U.S. joined the Loyalist faction of the Dominican Republic Civil War. Yeah. And and uh, they the the Loyalists had the AMX-13 light tanks. You know those uh, weird-looking export tanks from France. Mm-hmm. Two-man autoloader. Yeah, they had those. Uh, it was a Marine detachment that was Wait. mostly taking place in the fighting. It's going to be the Marines because they're not, they don't have to be approved by Congress or some goofy thing. Uh, oh, uh, the casualties, they, the Loyalist faction had two P-51 Mustangs shot down. <laughs> they had P-51 Mustangs. In 1965. Wow. You know, it's funny. I wonder how much stuff like American World War II surplus. I was like destroyed, you know, after after the war. 
Especially by oh, us, because, like... Like, I didn't know this was a thing. Oh, the Dominican Civil War? Like, well, I, like, no, or that we intervened. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you look up... There's a, Yeah, we've been over there for quite a bit. Like, you know how, like, the U.S. was in Haiti mm -hmm. for, like, 20 years or whatever? Like, that just doesn't even, doesn't even surprise me anymore. Just like, yeah, yeah, yep. that doesn't... That's, that's what we do, I guess, but... Well, this... Yeah, this I... Is, it says this was the first time the U.S. intervened in the... In the uh Dominican uh, Latin America in more than 30 years as far as a direct military intervention they did a lot of so. influencing but there wasn't a direct military intervention uh in more than 30 years at that point so since the 30s i guess yeah Nicaragua mm yeah mm. Uh, apparently i guess the the United States also occupied the Dominican Republic what the frick from 1916 to 1924 how do I not know these things? How does how does the U.S. not know these things? We captured it during World War One. So while people were fighting and dying in Europe, we were we were subjugating the Dominican Republic. <laughs> oh, they changed the name to Santo Domingo. I've heard that name before. Yeah, so have I. I think it's interesting. Oh, it's part of the Banana Wars. Do you know about that, Danny? Yeah, I have one of those uh, Dominican Mausers. Um typically in really really good shape um because they uh they refinished them and uh there's like hardly any markings on them though they scrubbed the crests and everything so there's just like i think there's just like a serial number on mine and a date if Something i remember like that oh and a date a date and serial number i think but yeah they did it way late it's, it's crazy like in the 50s you're buying up bolt actions in the 50s you're a little bit behind dang man i didn't know all about this at all so this was after the spanish-american uh, war they like just went to town in Latin America because there wasn't anybody else that was going to stop them. So that like they they did military interventions in Cuba, Panama, Honduras, Nicaragua, Mexico, Haiti, and the Dominican Republic. If you want to learn more about it, watch Between Two Wars. Well, that was quite the uh, digression. Was yeah. it? Uh, Time Ghost. Time Ghost is a YouTube channel. They do Between Two Wars. Can't hear anybody anymore. I can hear you. Can you not hear me, Danny? Oh, hello? Hello? Yes. Oh, geez. Okay. I don't know what happened. You didn't right. hear my whole point. Nope. Sorry. I don't know I... when I... Okay. Have you heard about the Banana Wars, Danny? Oh, yeah. yeah. So I wasn't aware that we had done inter military interventions in Cuba, Panama, Honduras, Nicaragua, Mexico, Haiti, and the Dominican Republic. Yeah, that's pretty nuts, right? For cheap bananas. Like, they're invading countries in the middle of World War One. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's the perfect cover, right? Yeah, like, ooh, what are you going to pay attention to? The Somme, the British losing 60,000 men in one day, or us taking over a little island? I mean, you know. You're, you're recruiting tons of people already and deploying them and everything. Mm -hmm. You got the budget. Makes sense. Yeah. Hey, they while invaded, we're going that way, let's make a whole took thing. over Haiti, invaded and took over the Dominican Republic. Nicaragua? Holy cow. See? And it's where the term Dominican Republic comes from because the two fruit companies that controlled Honduras demanded that the United States intervene. Also, it's just weird that a fruit company controlled anything, like a country. I mean, it's it's the majority a of their income and company. economy. I mean, yeah. is it weird that a diamond mining company controls a lot of... Oh, never mind. I, I won't say anything. Oh, don't say the words. Don't say the beer. Oh, no. Oh, we're saying the bears. 
It's just a it's just a really bad Chicago accent. Da Bears. Right? Right, Danny? Da Bears. That's right. That's right. Da Bears. Da Nothing Blood else Diamonds. Oh, close. never mind. Oh, never mind. Yeah, no. Dude, have you ever looked up like Blood XYZ? Dude, we're we're totally digressing, but I hope people don't mind. Blood XYZ, like Blood Avocados as one of them. Oh, the chocolate industry is is Oh yeah, blood chocolate. Terrible, terrible yeah. industry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, chocolate is super bad, but avocados are also like I forgot what percentage it was, but something like 40% or whatever of avocados in the US have been imported illegally, like smuggled in through avocado cartels. <laughs> yeah. It's green gold. It's, it's kind of nuts. Uh, the quinoa is another one. You mean quinoa? Is that how you say it? No, it's it's spelled like quinoa, but it's yeah. It's well, like well the the one I was reading about for that one was that it's a really common food stuff in South America, and because it became popular in the U.S., they started exporting all the food out of South America. <laughs> it's sad, so I shouldn't be laughing, but like. Oh you're, man, you're laughing at the ridiculous. Even dur- well, yeah. Well, even during uh during the uh sh- shoot, what was it? The the big famine, the big Chinese famine in the in the sixties. Forgot what that was called. The Great, the great leap, leap Backwards. Great Leap, yeah. <laughs> the Great Leap Forward. Even though they were starving, China was still exporting rice because they wanted to look like they had a surplus and they were doing mm-hmm. good and they're exporting rice. So they're exporting, even though yeah they're starving. Oh, same thing with the Bengal famine actually. That was the Great yeah. Leap Forward. That was the one where he's like, we'll take all the farmer's tools, melt them down into steel, and we're going to become a steel industrial nation. Yeah, and then also the sparrows was a was a big part of it, too. Um, I don't know if you heard of that. Um, they decided that sparrows were bad because sparrows ate like any sort of grain that was like left over on the ground or they were eating it off the, you know, whatever. So they decided to go and kill all the sparrows as a big like national campaign. So they killed like bazillions of sparrows. They, they almost made them extinct in, uh, in China, at least. And uh, I guess what they found out that the sparrows also ate all the bugs <laughs> that love <laughs> that love grains. Wasn't so, there a uh, huge flood too? Like right in the middle of it, like the a dam broke or something. Mm, I think there was a flood around then that, that I'm remembering. That but, was also like a huge yeah. part of it too. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that is one of it. Also, just the yeah, the collectivization of the farms was like a huge, as a huge thing because take away people's incentives to to work and then yeah. But um, yeah. There's there's a guy that's actually going to be um, hopefully writing an article for the Mills of Pearl website um, relatively soon, talking about the guns of um, like early communist China, like in the in the fifties and stuff. Um, like during the Cultural Revolution, everything, the different guns, because they used, it's kind of interesting, the the the, communist, the Chinese communists, they used like a large assortment of different and unique um, guns, you know, including like the one that I have, the the um, Air Saka that was rechambered in 762 by 39. Um, they just did a lot of weird stuff like that and reused a lot of stuff. Um, I, I think they manufactured Japanese 6.5 ammo for their Air Sakas, I think. Because there's some factories over there already. But yeah, hopefully that all that article will be up soon and be some pretty pretty cool information about that. Because I think Chinese guns is you know under under taught under under appreciated. No, it's because it's associated with cheap garbage. Ah, yeah, probably the. It's the association. 
Just like how Japanese guns were not really associated with quality. Japanese or French or Italian or Austro-Hungarian. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I think I'm going to go get a drink. Yeah, it's getting late here. Oh, yeah, it's 11 over there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Past 11. Yeah. Well, we've been well, we can wrap for up. over two hours. So. Hey, this is good. This is a good long one for the for the folks. It's a feast or famine, so we're at a feast mm-hmm. right now. But yeah. cool. Well, I'm glad we could get together and do this finally. We've been talking yeah. about doing this for a while. And, Hopefully uh, the next time we record, it's not just Annie because I've died from a 6 millimeter Navy explosion. Yeah, yeah. Get it on camera. You record your first shots, man. For real. Because, like, I was I was telling Zach this. Oh, Zach came over uh, a couple days ago. Um, he, because uh, Zach shot his, his uh, Italian Vetterly in 6.5. He shot straight up PPU in it. Yeah, he's a crazy person. <laughs> yeah. I was like, dude, next time you do that, record it. First off, just so that you could prove to people that you shot it. And secondly, if it does blow up, you've got to have that on camera. So yeah, when you shoot it, you got to record it. Record every shot. Yep. There's people at work telling me that I needed to sandbag it and then like just have a really long stick and, and pull the trigger. Uh, oh, yeah, or tie a string to the trigger and do that, yeah. Yeah, I thought about that. You know, I have, I have a thing, in, not to digress, digress again, but I want to buy like a cheap 1889 Swiss and just shoot GP11 through it like with a, you know, a string on the trigger kind of thing and a sandbag it. It just until it blows up or ruptures or whatever the bolt breaks or something like that. Just because you know everyone says you you shouldn't do that in an 1889, and I just want to like put that to the test okay, and see how IV much. Okay, IV88. Oh God. <laughs> Sorry, Danny, but that's what that's what sounds like. What have I become? <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening to us ramble on for two and a half hours. Um, join our. Uh, Patreon, join yeah. our YouTube channel. The podcast uh, is paid for by the Patreon, so if you are listening to this, thank the people that are contributing and consider donating a dollar. Because uh, I don't know what it, what it is, but we've been losing a few people on Patreon, so because uh, um, we have to pay the subscription or the whatever service that we use now, we have to pay them like per hour and every month and everything for to to keep. Just to keep these podcasts up so everybody can listen to it. So, yeah. Um, it's the people I mean, on Patreon. They're going to stay on YouTube unless Danny gets pulled off for. Doing yeah, they'll be on YouTube. It. But if you're listening to this on Spotify or iTunes or whatever, it's only because of the uh, Patreon people. So, um, consider supporting us if you can. If not, I, we understand. Or buy a t shirt. I bought a t shirt the other day. Oh, yeah, yeah. On our, uh, on our, our Teespring. Teespring. Yeah. Got a Millsop World. I guess just search Millsop World Teespring. You can find it. We have uh, a few. You can find it on the any links to any of your videos too, right? Yeah, yeah. That's that's true. Now we're um, done shamelessly plugging. Yeah. What else can we plug here? Uh, I don't know. Jared, Jared like got anything to plug? No. Like and subscribe. Smash that subscribe button, Smash. everybody. And don't uh, forget to hit I'd, the bell icon. I'd like I'd like a hundred likes. <laughs> Let's get a hundred yeah. likes. If I get. 10,000 likes. I will... I don't know. I will shoot my Johnson. Oh, that good good wordplay. Yeah, I still have a video of you shooting a Johnson, Danny. Where's your Johnson video? Dude, I have so many shooting videos I need to do that I've just You don't even have up. a video on the Johnson, do you? No. No. Mm. Got a little... I don't know. I got a little overwhelmed or something. It's almost like you also have one. a Vigero that you've not done a video on. Yeah. 
Yeah. Gotta, I gotta, the mood has to strike, man. It's a lot of work, and I gotta, like, really be into it. Especially now. I'm gonna blame everything on the kid now. Baby. It's all the baby's fault. Baby. It's the baby's fault. All right, man. Jared, Danny, I'll see you later. You guys yep, have, have a good, a good night. One. Yep, you have a good night. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.